Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit for plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com. It's really simple. Cook the man some fucking back to soup, bitch! This looks like a job for me, so everybody just follow me. Cause we need a little controversy, cause it feels so empty without back to soup! And I said, what about I need to tell you something. Back to soup. Baby, fresh, gotta go downstairs. Gotta have my bowl, gotta have back to soup. Back, 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 back to soup. Back, 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 back to soup. Back, 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 back to back, 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 back to soup. Happy holidays, everyone. Don Tony here. And before I give our non-patrons a healthy, quart-sized, free sample of the Patreon-exclusive show Breakfast Soup, I'm here to wish each and every one of you a happy new year. Thank you for making 2018 so much fun. Hell, as all of us being wrestling fans, 2018 wasn't the greatest year. Not by a long shot. When I keep saying repeatedly that I'm looking forward to what 2019 has to offer, I believe it. I think 2019 will be a better year. And I I feel everyone should look at the glass half full and half empty. And yeah, it sucks to be watching a product that is now having record low ratings. Don't give me that, "Eh, watch it on Hulu instead. It's not doing all that well right now. But there are a lot of high points as well. And you have other indie promotions out there. You have up-and-coming stars and other feds. There's a lot that wrestling still has to offer. So I truly believe 2019 is going to be a better year. As far as the shows that I'm involved in, business as usual, everyone. In fact, we're going to amp it up a goddamn notch. You know, I have beaten it to death this year that 2018, by far, the hardest year as far as the amount of work that I ever put in for the shows. This Week in Wrestling History just took a life of its own. And when you think about the fact that, yeah, it's a three, three and a half hour show every week, but I spend about 15 to 20 hours a week going through footage, recording, editing, researching, putting it all together to give you that show. And that is just one show. Every other week, Breakfast Soup, hosted by yours truly and Mish, on average, three hour episodes. And I have said it repeatedly, that show by far the most fun that I have doing any show. And that is not a knock on the other shows that I'm involved in, including my solo ones. It's just that 
the discussions that Mish and I have there, we would never be able to do on a DTKC show because it's not just wrestling. There's a lot of other topics and some really raw discussion we could never do on a public show like that on Monday. Look, let's be honest. Everybody out there have dictated that the DTKC show is wrestling, and that's the way it will remain. But there is so much else going on in this world, plus you know, things that we have lived through and witnessed and stories. And, and it's not just always telling the same story over and over again. There's always shit being revealed on breakfast soup that I never in a million years thought I would ever, you know, open up again. Some Pandora's boxes too. That show is fucking awesome. Then you got blah, 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 which is returned and it is on Patreon. And it is a show that I do that discusses everything, but pro wrestling, sports, politics, whatever. And our patron family, when I say they're truly the stockholders and they dictate where these shows go, it is true. I mean, their feedback, their opinions, their constructive criticism, their ideas, their suggestions, they are dictating where the shows are going. And the fact that everyone out there have been saying repeatedly how awesome 2019 was for our shows. And even Kev Castle going publicly and saying most fun he's ever had doing the shows in all of these years. All right. Pat yourselves on the back patrons because your input chose the direction of how certain things were handled. So they are heavily influenced of what we do. And uh, I can't thank them enough for their unwavering support. You know, I've said this before and it's true. I go back to 1997 doing hotlines from 1997 until 2016, every dollar of every cent that was needed to run these shows and the site and the server and the bandwidth and the equipment came out of my pocket. And on the soup side, came out of Mish's pocket. It's not a joke when I say that if Mish and I took all that money, and put it aside, we both have brand new BMWs right now, that's not a stretch at all. So... With the rise in popularity for both of our networks comes an, an expense. And it got so astronomical that we were either going, and this is true, Kev Castle will tell everybody, we were going to go subscription-based in 2016. We were going to revamp our app that is still available on iTunes and on Android, but we were going to revamp it and make it strictly subscription-based. But we did not want to make you know, make it where everybody had to pay to hear us. And our patrons, and I know some of you out there hear us plug this and shout out the same names for two years. They support us that much that they allow us to keep those shows free for everyone. So when I say every week, if everybody out there would sign up for even one month, you'd be surprised how many months worth the bills you would help us take care of. And in return, I think we give you probably the most content that is available, bar none, on Patreon as far as wrestling shows go. You think about what's on Patreon right now. Every other week, Breakfast Soup, hosted by yours truly and Mish, two to three hours on average, maybe more. We did an episode earlier this year, it went five and a half hours. Kev Castle, for all of you out there that can't stand my voice that want to hear Kev Castle do a solo show, he does one every other week called Castle Chronicles. Kev also does a show with his lady friend, Trez. And it's just like a casual conversation, just talking about whatever. That is on every other week. 
You have lost episodes of the Minority Report, shows that we did back in 0405 with Joey 924 and things I'm finding on my old hard drive that haven't aired or been on the server since Fan Talk Live, if any of you remember that. Hotline reports that I had the wherewithal in 1999 and 2000 to record them and save them. I mean, who would ever think? But yeah, I have a lot of those on the burner. Mass Maniac show. A lot of people remember all the interviews. You have episodes playing on Patreon. And then everything else that we do. The predictions, contests, the giveaways, early releases of This Week in Wrestling History, ad-free episodes of the DTKC show, Breakfast with Blossie, blah, blah, blah. And got an announcement. I know some of you saw it on Twitter. Our patrons already know about it. You know, for 13 years, I've had people say this to me. Hey, DT, you guys do a live show every Monday night after Raw. Don Tony and Kevin Castle show. Why don't you guys do a live show after SmackDown? And back in the day when SmackDown was on Thursday and Friday, we thought about it. We seriously thought about it. But as I always say, if I get involved with something, it's either balls out or nothing at all. And the logistics just weren't there for us to commit to do it every week back then. And even now, you know, on the surface, I thought about it and I said, well, you know, the Don Tony Kevin Castle show ends every Monday night at 1 a.m. on average. And SmackDown ends every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. How much news transpires between 1 a.m. early Tuesday morning and 10 p.m. that same day? But then I started thinking about it. You know, we could discuss SmackDown, could have some additional convo based on stuff that we may have discussed Monday that, you know, really caught on with the listeners. Maybe discuss some other topics that we may not have covered on Monday. Maybe some news transpires. There's enough to do. And not only that, interact with listeners out there. So starting Tuesday, January 8th, 2019, on Patreon, you will have every Tuesday night, right after SmackDown, a live show. It is going to be like a DTKC show extra. It's going to be Breakfast Soup Live. It is going to be a combination of breakfast chat. Every week on Tuesday night, right after SmackDown, you will have us live in some shape or form. And what I mean by that is some weeks it'll be yours truly and Kev. Some weeks it'll be yours truly and Mish. Some weeks it'll be Kevin Mish. Some weeks it'll be me by myself. So it is going to be some variation of us, but every Tuesday night on Patreon exclusive, it is going to be a live show. And yes, we will have a chat room launched where you can chat with us during the show and interact. And this will be open for our patrons. Now, I know some of you out there who are not on Patreon are going to say, well, why don't you release it to Patreon first and then give it to everybody else later on? And yes, we will have a chat room going, so you'll be able to interact with us during the show. You know, the shows will always start out talking a little bit about SmackDown, and our Patreon family will dictate where the show goes from there. And that's going to be every Tuesday night. The shows will range between 60 and 90 minutes, I believe, on average. And for those who are on Patreon who can't catch it live, you will be able to download it. So that is going to start Tuesday, January 8th. So when you think of everything that is offered on Patreon, um, con contributing $5 to help us, you know, stay not only alive and kicking, but allowing us to kick ass, I don't think it's too much to ask. So anyway, 
What I give you now is a majority of episode 66 of Breakfast Soup that we recorded, Mish and I, this past Wednesday, December 26th. And by the way, for anybody that does sign up new on Patreon, every episode of everything that we've done are there. So you could download 66 episodes of, of Breakfast Soup. You could download 67 episodes of Castle Chronicles. The entire library is there. You have access to it all. So it's not like if you missed it last week, you lose it. No, everything is there. But this past Wednesday, Mish and I, we did a three-hour show. I trimmed it down to about two and a half hours to, you know, just streamline it a little bit. So you're going to get right now the discussion we had on Wednesday for Breakfast Soup. And after you hear this, once again, I ask you to consider signing up for our Patreon, even if it's for a month, patreon.com slash Don Tony. In the next week or two, we are going to be posting a sample of Kev Castle show for our non-patrons. And uh, again, thank you so much for your support. And for any reason you're not able to sign up on our Patreon, if you like what we do, tell friends about it. Post it on Facebook, post it on Twitter, write it on message boards, your social media. That helps us tremendously as well. So maybe you, for some reason, cannot sign up on our Patreon right now, but maybe someone else can. And once we launch on Pandora, Lord knows what the fuck is going to happen. I'm, I'm looking forward to everything. I really am. And who knows? A year from now, we may look back at 2019 and be like, what a horrible year. But as I say all the time, keep looking at it with the glass half full, not half empty. Everyone have a great new year. And I give you now episode 66 of Breakfast Soup. Take care, everyone. New Year's. Next week, did this year go fast for you, Mitch, or what? No, actually, it was a little slow this year. Really? I, yeah. I, in, in in the aspect as a wrestling fan and a guy that talks about wrestling, this is this has not been a very fast year for us. Wow. Uh, I, there's been a lot of downsides this year, whereas other years haven't suffered so much. There's been a lot of good too, but I, I think you know. I'm, in my personal life, I think it moved a little fast. Mm. They always seem to be moving faster the higher number you get. Yeah. But uh, as far as, as wrestling, though, I think it's been kind of a slow year. There's been a lot of plotting storylines, a lot of forgetful storylines, mm. a lot of matchups that were okay. You know, I mean, there's been some high points over the year, but it's felt like a really long wrestling year. Like, it, it felt like WrestleMania was two years ago. Wow, well, okay. So. Let me ask you this. Um, sometimes when a business has problems and it goes under new management or you really try to revamp your business, sometimes you make a, some radical changes or you change a lot of aspects of it and you may not see the profits from it right away. It Sometimes you got to take a couple of step, steps backward to set up like a strong foundation, get that core, you know, group of people behind you, and then you build slowly on it. Let's be honest, everyone. We lo we're loving Becky. All right. We're loving Charlotte, Oscar, even Ronda Rousey. I don't think anybody has any issues for the most part with those four. But I look back and it feels like the women's side of wrestling has been forced on us. Right. As far as, you know, Raw going out of their way of having 
matches just for the sake of women being in the matches. We didn't need to see Sasha and Bailey versus the Riot Squad 88 times during right. the year. We didn't need to see Natty and fucking Ruby Riot, you know, extra weeks. We didn't need to see, even though they're on the roster and they deserve a spot. But my God, you don't ever see the fucking B team until recently. So if yeah. we don't get fucking Bray Wyatt for months and months and months, then why does Alicia Fox or Dana Brooke have any right to be on the show more? You know what I mean? So it just feels like WWE forced, you know, the extra women's content. content. And my question to you is, looking back on it, do you f think it's more of a case in WWE's eyes, it probably is, but you think it's more of a case that they're revamping the foundation of pro wrestling and that, you know, right now it's suffering a little bit, but in the long term, 50-50 is going to be a, a much stronger foundation as far as WWE going forth. Well, you can, you can only hope that that's the direction that this company wants to go. I mean, we just recently had Vince McMahon come out there for Raw and SmackDown talking about shaking things up. But as everybody kind of pointed out, nothing was immediately done. Right. You kind of hope that the forward momentum of the women's evolution is, is starting to take hold. I'm seeing less of the Iconics. I'm seeing less of the Bellas. Yes. Uh, I'm seeing less of, of the girls that are not considered on the same athletic level mm. as girls like Charlotte and Becky and Rhonda and et cetera, et cetera. So in that scenario, you're, 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 you have to believe as a fan that the company has not only the best interests of the athletes, but the best interests of the fans uh, at, at their core, you know, uh, beliefs as well. WWE though has a horrible track record um, of being disappointing. Mm hmm and in order for them to get back a lot of these loss ratings, and I know people are like, oh, well, it's because everybody's watching it on Hulu. Oh, it's because people watch uh, it. Post it. There's, there's always an excuse, and that's the problem. There's always an excuse for their mistakes. There's always an excuse for their failures. But nobody comes forward and just says, well, it's because the show's not doing as well, because the show isn't as exciting or as intense as it used to be. I think the women are doing a fantastic job. Or at least I should say there's a handful of women that are doing a fantastic job of revamping the idea of what women's wrestling is in WWE. And kudos to them. But they can't do it by themselves. Uh, recently, I, I think the big thing is that more people were talking about Becky Lynch than they were talking about anybody else on, on social media as far as WWE is concerned. That's great. That's fucking fantastic. But Becky Lynch is not going to be able to change the momentum of fans and the momentum of the company by herself. It's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. They need to figure out, okay, clearly us battering down the door with our own storylines and everything else like that with these force-fed characters, we need to we need to reel that back in. Because I think that that's a big problem that WWE has too, is that a lot of these people, okay, social media has changed wrestling. And everybody needs to accept that. The people that are in WWE that are on television every week have a different personality in the real world than they do on television. Part of that is due to the character. Part of that is due to the way that WWE, you know, uh, 
I guess you want to say performs their storylines or, or has them perform their storylines. And the other part is obviously because that's who they really are in real life. I think if there was a way that WWE can focus more on the actual natural personalities of some of these people, I think fans will eat it up more. Because I think the big thing is, is that even though kayfabe has been dead for years, the fact that we have storylines with characters in a show that's supposedly based on their athleticism, on their legitimate athleticism, is a very weird line. It's like almost a weird kayfabe. Because half the time, the wrestlers are out there, and they're giving you the wink, the nod, like, oh, this is a character. But at the same point, it's like, but we're supposed to be studying Seth Rollins, the person. Right. We're supposed to be studying Finn Balor, the person. I I don't know what they do in that scenario. Because it's either go 100 and go full campy, but I don't think that's going to work in 2019. I don't think so either. And I think the other side is is to let these guys just be themselves. But then I think WWE doesn't know how to handle that because then it's like, well, what's the point of these feuds? Well, you can easily have feuds with conflicting personalities. I I don't know. They they need to revamp a lot of their archaic ideas. I think a lot of things – I think a lot of the reason that a lot of wrestling fans are leaving is because it's it's just not as exciting anymore. You know, I con- I kind of got into this on Monday, and it's interesting because we weren't even planning on having a conversation the way we did because it had to do with Road Warrior Animal. He had made some comments about Becky Lynch or the women's division, and it actually broke while we were doing... Actually, Sunday, we it broke while we were doing the show, and it ended up having some fabulous conversation from it. But, I, you know, I, I as we were talking... It like hit me as I was thinking about it. And I think one of the biggest problems with WWE, even though it sounds stereotypical, but there's no, you don't have as many larger in life characters anymore. Like when we were growing up, like Hulk Hogan was a larger in life superhero. You know, like Andre the Giant, Ultimate Warrior, even Macho Man Randy Savage, larger than life superheroes, tremendous bodies. It's character work. Right, it's character work. But uh, Hulk Hogan is clearly the definition of the character work that I don't think will work in 2019. Right. But can't say Andre the Giant because Andre the Giant was legitimately who he was. It's it's weird that you say that because it's it's both paradoxes. Right. Even even NWO, you know, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall. I mean, there let me let me say it like this. And I don't mean to sound like an asshole, not towards you, but just in general. How many larger in life heroes back in the eighties and nineties did we have that um just just the the physical appearance of the person they could also pass for someone working in a Starbucks? I yeah, I, I agree. I, th- that's that's also a big difference is big men, you know, were impressive and are still impressive. I think that's why people like Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar still get so much love, regardless of the direction of their character. Braun Strowman is a good example of a character still working in 2018. You know, obviously Braun Strowman, the person, he's like nice and cuddly and loves kids. And you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's he's a completely normal dude. But when he steps into the ring, he uses his size as part of his character and he screams at people. and He does a great job of it. Right. You know, he's a, he's a good character. But that's that's another thing, too, is I, I kind of agree. I think uh 
small men. Look at the women from back in the day. Medusa, maybe not big in size, but larger than life in a sense that she beat the fuck out of you. Sensational Sherry. I love Medusa. I love Sherry, but I think that the women now are far better. Oh, yes, absolutely. But I'm saying there are too many people that could pass for employees at fucking McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's too many. And it's just a shame that that larger-than-life aspect of wrestling has really started to go out the door. And, yes, you got Lars coming in, and there are some exceptions, but for the most part, to me, those larger-than-life behemoths, the freaks, and you don't have to be ugly to be a freak. Right. It's We don't have that anymore. And it's not because of steroids no longer being allowed to be used. It's just it's a totally different environment. I just think... But I don't go backstory. That's another thing too. Is you know, me and Joey always kind of joke about continuity manager. That's that's another horrible, horrible caveat that WWE completely ignores most of the time. They don't keep up with their own continuity. Like a lot of the back, a lot of people would be more interested in people if they kept up to date with their backstories. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if if they keep, I don't necessarily mean that they have to continuously explain where they came from and why they were here and stuff like that. But, but there's a job that announcers should do. There's a job that can be done in vignettes. Like that's one of the things too. If you want to compare what made successful eighties and nineties wrestling and earlier too, those vignettes did a fantastic job. Even if you saw a guy, even if he was regularly out there, if there was a vignette or, or, you know, the backstage segment, some of that shit really works. I, 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 I guess the network is kind of there for that now, but it's just it's not the it's same detached. Right. Like I understand I can watch a uh, uh, fucking Ms. and Maurice, you know, Ms. and Mrs. on, on uh, USA every, what is it? Tuesday or Wednesday, you know, which is fantastic. That's great. But I shouldn't have to watch a separate show just to have a background on the person that yes. is it. You know what I mean? And I, and I understand what they're doing. Because obviously it's bringing in a, a different environment. It's also bringing in more people. But I don't know if it's to- necessarily bringing in more people. Because you look at the ratings, they're record lows. You know, are they just, you know, like slowing the bleeding? Yeah, you're right. That's that's probably, yeah. They're, they're keeping the wound from hemorrhaging all you, over the place, right? You know, look, Becky... We are been extremely supportive of her for quite sure. some time, more than Absolutely. others. Um, you know, some other shows out there, the hosts get ripped apart for not being behind completely the Becky bandwagon, which is they, they have every right to feel that way. And But with that said, you know, when Becky Lynch sells out a VIP appearance, okay, whether it's a pre-show or not, all right, that's impressive when you see AJ Styles didn't sell out, Nakamura. Daniel Bryan, you know, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, Braun Strowman, right? None of them sold out, but Becky Lynch did. That's impressive. But I also look at it in the sense that, all right, you're talking, let's say, for example, 100 VIP tickets, okay? It's not that you you have a plethora or a new bunch of fans or fans coming back and insisting Becky, 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 Becky. What I mean by that is that ECW, when it was at its pinnacle of house shows, you know, in like the late 90s, you know, 98, 99 or whatever it was, 
think they, their largest house show attendance might have been around 6,000 fans, give or take a little bit. All right, so now my point is, is that if you have 100 or 200 or even 300 VIP tickets selling out for one particular wrestler, and yet your overall audience has declined, all that really says to me is that the core WWE fans, the core audience that is sticking to them, that are not wavering, they're preferring Becky Lynch over others, but you're still at a record low, so she's not generating new people to tune in, new people to come back. Hey, I haven't watched WWE for a while. Let me go watch this. And this is not her fault in any way, shape, or form. All I'm saying is, is that it's wonderful to sell out VIPs. But when you got 500 people that are going to go anyway, and they're going 300 in this direction and 200 in this direction, that's much different than having 300 going in this direction and 5,000 in a waiting line. Well, the other thing, too, is, is all right. Being turned away, I guess, would be a better well, way. Well, not even it. just that. People can bring up storylines from 97, 98, 99 in ECW and WCW and WWE on a dime. You can just pull out storylines off the top of your head. Even, even some of the most weird lower mid-card storylines people will still remember, you know? My thing is, is when you look back at 2018, the year we're still currently in, and WWE, other than the women, what are the big storylines that happened? Roman Reigns getting sick. (sighs) Is that really a big story? It's not a storyline, but it's a big story of the year. But that's a good point. That's, That's kind of a point. When somebody's injury or illness is the biggest, one of the biggest stories of the year, it's like... Man, you guys haven't had a good year, have you? Did you see Road Warrior Animal's comments? No, what did he say? Well, you know, he he got destroyed Sunday on social media, and I'll just give you the quick synopsis of it because I'm sure this is something you're going to talk to Joey about on Soup. He basically said that if the women are main eventing um, and having the best matches on the card, there's a problem. And I interpreted it that it was not a shot towards the women, but it was more of a criticism towards the men. Like if the women on the show are the ones stepping it up and they're closing out pay-per-views or events and they're having the best matches. Right. What does that say about the? That's how I interpret it. Right away, the SJWs were like, he's out of touch. He's an old man. He wants it old school without women. I don't think he was saying that at all. I think he was, it was more of a shot to the men like, what the fuck? Why aren't you stepping up? And, you know, I think part of it with social media, that's why on, on Sunday, I compared the mixed match challenge to social media, the climate mm-hmm. of social media. What I meant by that is that the Mixed Match Challenge, you had men and women. Just like on social media, you have men and women. But on the Mixed Match Challenge, what we saw repeatedly is during the matches, uh, a woman being able to land a move, smack the man, kick the man, hit a move on the man, but the man can't do it to the woman. And that's yeah. the same thing with social media right now. I think men in wrestling are petrified to speak out other than 
oh, we support the women, we support the women, we support the women. But while you're doing that, your own product, your own genre is really taking a hit. And I think what Road Warrior Animal is is that, you know, the men should be looking at this as fucking competition right now. Like, hey, if we don't step it up, there's going to be another fucking Alicia Fox match on Raw, and that's one less match for the men. I think that's what he was trying to say. Um, And he got lit up for those remarks. Lit up like you wouldn't believe. Well, I'm trying to remember who it was. Was it Taylor Hendricks or somebody else came out earlier? I think it was maybe either earlier in the week or last week, I think, actually, um, where she basically said that, you know, if you don't like the women's revolution, then you hate women. Oh, that's Sienna. We had a field day with her on Sunday. too. Yeah. I'm like, come on, stop this. The problem is, is that people are looking on both sides, men and women, but but fans of wrestling are looking for someone to blame. And I I hate to say it, but instead of blaming the wrestlers for a lot of this stuff, don't get me wrong, there are certain people that deserve the 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 graves that they've dug. But start blaming the company. Mm-hmm. Start blaming the the way that the company sees the the whole promotion. Right. Start blaming the way that the company sees the fans. Start blaming the company for being so lackluster, for being so fucking lukewarm. And resting on their laurels for as long as they have. Look, I'm very grateful that the WWE has added a network and they've gone international. And that's great for the people that that affects. But the reality is, is the core storylines, the core characters, the core direction of the shows have been garbage. Right. And 2018 isn't the first year. It's been garbage to the point where fans are now turning off the television. Right. We're at the point where... People are already turning around this year and asking themselves, why Why am I still watching this? Yeah. And that's bad. And you can't sit there and say, oh, well, it's because they've grown out of it. No, that's not true. Mm. It's not true. The, the reality is, is that WWE hasn't kept up. If the storylines, <clears throat> and, and I hate to go back to the Attitude Era, but you look back at the Attitude Era and how many adults were enjoying Stone Cold Steve Austin? How many adults were enjoying The Rock? Mm-hmm. Age has nothing to do with wrestling. So this whole push where you know wrestling is for kids and stuff like that, that's bullshit. Right. Wrestling isn't for kids. Wrestling has always been for adults, and kids happen to enjoy it too. Mm-hmm. And I think somewhere along the road, WWE has forgotten that. And I don't know if it's because, you know, I mean, the, the, the talk about the McMahons trying to get a political office at some generation. Or if it's because WWE has nothing for us. Right. And if they have nothing for us and they need to go in there and start firing motherfucking people and find people with answers. Right. Because if, if they come back with answers of how do we fix the show and everybody's like, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I know. It's, it's that's so on point, man. I, I, I think it's you couldn't have said it any better. It's, you know, I, I see like other TV shows have debuts and season premieres and season finalities, I see finales, I see sports and I see 10 million, 12 million watching. And I'm like, you know, WWE is just no longer must-see television. Dude, I've, I, it hasn't been for a while. The thing as a wrestling fan has been making up excuses as to why I still watch. You know what's sad? Everybody had so much shit to say about the nostalgic factor 
with DX and The Undertaker and Kane. Sure. You go back and you look at the ratings, you know, the ratings were a hell of a lot better than they are now. Sure were. And, you know, as we already discussed. But that's and, not the answer. Oh, of course that's, not. It's just a Band-Aid. Yes. And unfortunately, there's not enough people from back in that day that they could keep throwing those Band-Aids, those, you know, on the, on the wound. Right. I just, they got a major problem, and I think WWE really needs to reevaluate the women's division. And what I mean by that is they have... I think the women's division is okay. You're, you're no, no, really... no. I think maybe it needs to be streamlined a little bit. You, they're going to have women's tag belts finally. I don't know if you actually need a Raw women's champion, a SmackDown women's champion, a Raw tag team champions, women's tag team champions. Then you have a universal champion, a WWE champion, a, a intercontinental champion, a U.S. champion. Um, you know, if you had pay-per-views that just featured champions, I think that's the direction, though. I'll be honest with you. They I should mean, have maybe the women possibly have their own show. One hour I, show. I see it. I already see it. Like I, I know a lot of people are fucked up by this whole women. The, the women are doing better than the men currently. Bit, but I, I, I don't care if they're doing better. If they're entertaining me, that's all I care about. Right, but I see them getting their own TV show. They need to. I really do. Or their own net. I shouldn't say TV. I should say network show. Although it could be on TV. Who the fuck knows at this point? I wouldn't doubt that either. You know what they that should try one we, night? Hmm. Two hour Raw, one hour women. Yeah, they, they've done it before. They did it for, uh, what was it, NXT? Yeah. They did it for WCW back during the invasion angle. Mix it up. It, it let the let the WWE that would be, see, this is interesting because I don't know if WWE would want to risk what the rating would be. And what, and what I mean by that is this. Let's say they advertise, we're going to shake it up. Right. Two, three weeks from now, we're going to have a special episode from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Monday Night Raw, from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. Women's Division. Well, however you want to call it. And I think that would be very interesting because for those who are not interested in seeing the women, you know now for the first two hours you're getting none. And for the people out there that find the women the most entertaining right now and all the other stuff on Raw does not entertain them, they know from 10 to 11 they're getting nothing but the women. <coughs> and it would be very... In God. I said, but are we opening up a Pandora's box? Because if you really think about it too, right now the women are some of the most entertaining things on Raw and SmackDown for the most part. Well, maybe more for SmackDown, but still. If we if we separate that entertaining thing from the men, are, are we opening up a Pandora's box that we can't close? Possibly. See, I look at it like if they're going to do this, this is what I think. I think what they should consider doing is they want to do a three-hour roll like they always do. Fine. Have the fans who are live and in attendance get an extra hour's worth of wrestling. Tape a one-hour nothing but women have a special on the USA network, a different day during the week special, you know, the women's division, you know, tournament tag title. To yeah. Have the tag title tournament be its own special one hour, two hour, whatever it is on the USA network, a different day during the week. 
Mm-hmm. And if the ratings are not that great, they could use the excuse, well, you know what, fans are not used to watching wrestling on Wednesday that they didn't even, they were, maybe some weren't even aware that it was on. Blah, 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 blah. If they do it as part of an episode of Raw and the rating takes a nosedive, you know, that's going to be something that's going to be talked about for years and years and years. Just like January 4th, Raw versus versus Impact. That's still talked about to this day, even though that rating that night was pretty fucking sweet for T, for TNA. That was yeah. the debut of Hogan. Hogan's appearance on there did 2.6 million viewers, I think, which is more than what WWE even gets sometimes now. Um, but when they came back and decided they were going to try to go head-to-head permanently, they got their ass handed to them. I think that was right around the time Shawn Michaels retired. Right. So right. if you do it on a wrestling night and the third hour is nothing but women and the ratings plummet, that sends a message to everybody publicly that, oh, the women are not as... But they can yeah. already accurately figure this out, too, because they, they pay attention to the ratings by hour. A lot of the the news sites that you even see today, DT, they, they break down the ratings as a whole, but they also break them down by the hour. Right. And, I mean, it's usually that third hour, man. That yeah. takes a dip. That takes a hard dip. Yeah. You know? Well, we'll, we'll see. I just think... They need to, they have to do something different because, like I said, you do a pay-per-view that features nothing but champions and you have to put every champion on that pay-per-view. That's a five-hour show. What about yeah. everybody that doesn't have a belt? What happens to them? You know, right. you know it's, and there's a lot of people from Finn Balor down the line, the Good Brothers, they're Usos. There's a lot of people without belts right now that can't even get a spot in a pay-per-view because you got 18 titles. Yeah. You know, so they need, they have to do something. I, I agree with you. I think a women's show is the way to go. Um, maybe you make the women's show WWE Network exclusive. Maybe it's not on USA Network. Maybe it's not on Fox. Make it WWE Network exclusive and... If the women are that must-see TV for fans that want to watch wrestling, then, yeah, so sign up for the WWE Network if you want it. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's too many belts. There's too many belts. You're now ha- – the right now, to me, the women's wrestling, as far as talent goes, for me, it's about six women for the most part. Natty is talented. Natty's one of my favorites, but she's not must-see TV at all. I don't even understand why she had a pay-per-view match. All right, yeah, her father died. Yeah, we're all, all our fathers are going to die sooner or later. And yeah, you know, if they, if they would have done that right after he passed, that's different. This is many months gone by. I don't know what was the purpose of, I, I hate to say it this way, but wasting a match on TLC for well, Ruby you know Riot versus Natty? Let's, let's play a game because me and Joey play this game every once in a while. Okay. And a lot of people love it when we play the game. And then I'm not sure if you're down, but who would you keep? Who would you fire? I've got oh, the list. Fire, the, yeah. <laughs> I, I've got the list of all the women in front of me. Okay, but uh, it was pretty much keeper fire. We broke it down to Raw, SmackDown, NXT, gone. And uh, we'll start with Alexa Bliss. All right. Well, let me ask you this: as sure. far as keeper fire, now are we talking about keeping on the roster and firing, or are we talking about? keeping them on network television or, or WWE no, Network? Keep, 
keeping them on the roster or firing. Now, the 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 caveat to firing them is it doesn't necessarily mean that they can't ever work for the company again. Uh, there's a few people that me and Joey both agreed should be gone from the company, but at the same time, WWE needs to keep an eye on them and see if they grow in the indies. Okay. All right. You sure. Know, I'm so down for not, it. It's not a death sentence. Yeah, I'm down for it. Yeah. You said Alexa Ale- Bliss to start off? Alexa Bliss, yes. I'd keep her. Okay. i keep her. Would She's... keep her on Raw, or would you move her to SmackDown, or would you put her down in NXT? Um, I would keep her on Raw. I think that uh, she would not mesh well with Asuka and Charlotte and Becky Lynch. She's more Mike than anything else. She's got ability in the ring, but I don't think she could keep up with those women. She's one step below them. She's on their level because she's got the connection with the fans. She's not been on a mic. She's beautiful. She's actually got a nice backstory if they want to ever turn her baby face, which I don't think is a smart thing to do. So, no, I would keep her and not keep her on Raw. Alicia Fox. Gone. Gone. <laughs> I, I know they I, – I, I hate to sound prejudicial. I know they want to keep a very exotic, attractive black woman well, they, on the oh, roster. You heard the news this week, right? They no. do have a beautiful black woman in power. Ronda Rousey. Oh, I didn't Ronda even hear this. Rousey what the hell happened? <laughs> Yeah, it was on TMZ. Some TMZ reporter caught her when she was with her family for Christmas. It's like of all the times that the paparazzi hits you, but it was like it was Christmas and she was with her family and her mom busted out uh, saying that her great grandfather was a black civil rights activist and nobody knew. Nobody had any clue, but she broke out. uh, Yeah. So she's she's a black woman. Okay. I mean, you know, you got, you know, I don't know what percentage black she is. I think that's great grandfather. Her great grandfather was 100% black. That's interesting. So so she's what was that bigger? 25% then. Um, well, if a grandfather, if a grandfather gave birth to one of her parents and gave birth to her. Yeah. If she, if he was 100%, I guess. Yeah. Could be. But, um, no, but you see, with, with Alicia Fox, it's like, okay, she's got that Beyonce, not Beyonce, but you know what I'm talking about. She's got that look like she's... Nicki minaj yeah, yeah, Nicki minaj but I don't... After all of these years, you come out and your entrance theme music sounds like it's on a CD because nobody's reacting to you. You know what I mean? Right. Like, she's been a baby face. She's been a heel. She's a baby face. She's bipolar. She's screaming. She's with Jinder Mahal. They, she's all over the place. Get rid of her. Right. I agree. Get rid she, of her. She hasn't done much. No. And I understand she's been with the company. But you do hit the nail on a different kind of head when you were bringing that up. I think a lot of the things that WWE can make wrestling better or wrestlers better, fix the goddamn intros, yeah. please. We have different music. I understand that WWE thinks that this stock music is the way to go. And I don't know what the hell, what is it, CFOS has been doing. Oh, yeah, CFOS. They haven't been very impressive at all. You know, I think think WWE, as far as wrestlers go, could really benefit from actual musicians, actual bands. I don't know why they still, 20 years fucking later, I still don't know why they stick with their stock audio. Right. It's cheap. Yeah, but... You know what? It is cheap. 
it, that's exactly right. It is cheap, and and I don't think that that it, it brings an excitement. No, you know, I just I don't know. You know, I but, you uh, see lately they what they're doing with a lot of themes. They're just adding an extra like instrument yeah. to it or a sound right. effect, and it's the same fucking theme. It's it's cheap, and people realize it's cheap, and they recognize it's cheap, and the people that come out to it look cheaper because of it. Mm-hmm. Bailey, uh you know what? For the kids that go to the shows, she is the she is their role model. She is their squeaky clean, clean cut, very safe person to have. Very likable, very friendly. You just feel like if you saw her walking down the street, even if she was on the rag and having the worst day of the year, she would stop and smile and shake your hand and thank you for the supporting her and this and that. So, you know, and she's not bad in the ring. I would keep her on Raw. I would even consider her possibly on SmackDown. Uh, I would not fire her and I would not put her on NXT. I would say SmackDown. If, if SmackDown is going to be the place where the where the big girls play, yeah, I'd probably put Bailey over there on SmackDown. I think she would... I think she would step up, and that's my feeling on it, is that if she had Becky and, and you know Charlotte and everybody else around her, I think she might step up to that level. I think she's going to be the next tag team champion. Mm. Dana Brooke. Get rid of her. She, <laughs> yeah, it's, she, not, it's not personal against her, but she offers nothing. Right. She offers nothing. I, I don't care that she's physically fit. I don't care if she... You know, looks a lot more impressive, you know, muscular. She just, she she does nothing. Right. She does nothing. Ember Moon. See, Ember Moon is interesting. She's got a lot of talent. But for some reason, she's not clicking with the fans as much as you think. She gets a decent pop. Her entrance is great. She's got a world of ability. But there's something missing with her or... I think the WWE's problem is they hyper on TV as like this tremendous superstar. Right. And it just, She's, she hasn't been seasoned enough to be in that category. So there's something misfiring. I would put her on SmackDown, though. She's been on TV since April 9th. That's not that long. Though. It's long enough to know who the character right, is. Right, but they. Could they tried to treat her like a superstar since day one, and it didn't organically feel that way amongst the fans. And, you know, I don't care if she's in the team of Ronda Rousey. You know what I mean? It's like did something misfired. Like, they didn't, it didn't click, and then they, you know, ran with it. They fucking built it up. And, yes, when she came in, it was really, really cool to see her on the main roster, but... I don't know. They misfired with her. I would. I would rather see her on SmackDown or possibly going back to NXT. I don't like yeah. her. I don't like her on Raw at all. I I kind of put her down on NXT. Or I, honestly, I I think I even said kind of get rid of her because her gimmick isn't working. And I don't mean get rid of her. Like, see, she was on my list of fire, but keep an eyeball on her. Oh sure, she's got yeah. talent. Absolutely right. But I just, I mean, they had her in NXT since 2015, and she comes up in April, and there's literally no reception for her yeah. other than, like, the first night. It's not a good sign. Yeah, I agree. Liv Morgan. Um, You know, it's interesting. She's, I put her in the same category as, uh, the fuck, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, um, it begins with an N. Uh, she's in the other faction. Um. 
Oh my God, I'm I'm drawing a blank right now. I'm drinking coffee Patron also, but that's not an excuse. I got coffee Patron for Christmas, so oh, I actually I don't ever drink during the day. But I was like, you know, I'm going to sit back and have a little coffee Patron and this. Uh, no, you have um the you have the two factions. You got Riot Squad and you got uh, the Sony Deville. Oh, okay. Uh, who's the other blonde chick? Mandy Rose. Mandy Rose. I put Mandy Rose and Liv Morgan in the same exact category. Okay. They're both extremely beautiful. They're both, uh, they definitely have something, but it hasn't really shined on TV. And I'm sorry, there's too many beautiful women. She ain't, neither one of them is going to be the next Trish Stratus right now. Right. Right. So I would either, ha- I'll, I'll put them both out there since we're, we're talking about one. I would put them, either put them both on Raw or I would... I would seriously consider Liv Morgan. I would consider consider getting rid of her. Yeah, yeah. Keep an eyeball on her. Keep an I eyeball mean, on her, but I get rid of her. Again, firing somebody is not a death sentence. It's just, I mean, for some people, like Dana Brooke, it was like fired. See you later. Lose our number. Yeah, you know. But but Liv Morgan, Liv Morgan. I don't think she'll ever bring anything to the table. I mean, I could pleasantly be surprised, but. I don't see a big future coming from her that's going to be driving in tickets because ultimately what you have to do with this list, these list of people, these personnel is you have to look at who's going to actually sell a ticket. Right. Sorry. I don't see kids having blue tongues. You know, I don't see it. Don't get me wrong. She might sell different tickets, but she ain't going to sell a wrestling. No, no. Waste. Mickey James. Mickey James, I would keep. Because she definitely uh, is helping some of the younger stars. I know before the events, she's always training with them, doing things in the ring. A lot of things you don't ever hear about. She also helps them deal with being on the road all the time. I actually don't think she's needed as much on SmackDown. Because, yes, you you have a higher echelon of talent there. But they seem to be very mature as well. Becky... Charlotte and Oscar are very mature. You know, it's not that they're not used to being on the road and stuff like that. I would leave Mickey on Raw, leave her exactly where she is. Now, I'm in an interesting state with Mickey because I'm I'm underneath the the impression that I I absolutely adore the girl. Um, I think if anything, she should be pushed. And the reason I say that she's that she needs to be pushed is because. First off, she's like the biggest veteran on the roster. Yes, there are other women that have been around as long as her in different scenarios and stuff like that. But Mickey James is the veteran. And she should be the person that a lot of this weight is falling on her shoulders. Now, in my opinion, if, if Mickey James was built upright, her and Becky Lynch would be putting on fucking classics. Her and Charlotte Flair would be pulling on classics. Her and Ronda Rousey would be putting on classics. There's a lot that these girls can get from Mickey James, and the fact that they've had Mickey James as a supplemental character for so long is really silly to me. Right? They really. gave that to Natty. They gave Which that is to fine, Natty. But why but, can't you have more than one? That's another. Oh, thing. I agree. I agree. Yeah. They they did a storyline with Mickey James way back when, Piggy James. Right. Then they decided to do a storyline about her age. Which, right. if you really dissect it, really was kind of stupid. Of course. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I would have utilized Mickey James a hell of a lot better on TV. Yeah, I would. Uh, I, I, 
I'd probably keep her on Raw in order to build her up more because Raw is obviously the weaker roster. But at some point, you got to have her switch. Like the the end goal is to have either the the top tier girls go after her to give us those kind of matches, right. or or I don't know what else, what other goal would you have for Mickey James? Right. She's not going to be here much longer. Yeah. I mean, she's she's got a kiddo and stuff like that, and I know she's doing a great job as a mom trying to take care of the kids and everything else like that. But you know, she she's getting up there, and and that's not a shot. It's just it's just a fact. She's getting up there as far as the women go. You know. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, Mickey James, I think, needs to be in a completely different position in the company. She should be the one driving the horses. You know, ECW had that storyline with Terry Funk going for the heavyweight title, and he was older. They did it with Ric Flair. And yeah. he was older in WWE. They've done it in AWA and other. They need to do it at they least once. They never did it for women, though. I was just going to say, they need to do it at least once with the women. Sure. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. Natalia. I would keep her. Um, I think maybe she might be better suited on NXT, grooming the next crop of talent that are going to go to the main roster. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. I, I think I said early this year, of all the people drafted, I thought Natty was the most important to help Ronda and everyone else. I said that back when they did the did the last trades early in the year. Right. I think Natty would be better suited on NXT as a trainer. That's good. Yes, I totally, totally agree. Uh, Nia Jax. I like Nia Jax. I think, um, you know, a lot of the character development WWE has been on the fence with. The, you know, this obsession with her weight, you know, the, it's funny because the more we're supposed to believe that she's just like everyone else, the more we're thrown on our face about her weight. It's like, right. you know, it, it's a weird thing with her because I I like her. Her feud with, with Rhonda, I think, really brought out the best in her. But, you know, this pairing with Tamina Snooker does nothing for me. <laughs> the whole thing storyline with Alexa Bliss with the fat thing it just didn't really do much for me like I, I'm sick of the PSA stuff she should have been an awesome Kong she should have been a yes. b- big bad mama you yeah. know she should have been something like that instead of put it this way awesome Kong when awesome Kong was awesome you didn't have anybody cutting promos about her weight and she didn't cut promos about her weight it was simply I'm gonna beat the fuck out of you Right, You know, and Nia Jax, it's like, oh, I'm not like most girls. You know, I'm I'm heavy, but heavy is beautiful, and I could be this, and I could be that. And it's like people are more focused on her weight than Nia Jax. She's focused on her weight. Look, She's I, focused Nia, on her weight, too. Absolutely. I think she's I think she's got some body issues, too. You know, I mean, we, we will talk. We You can talk about Alexa Bliss's weird body issues that she's had that she's admitted to over the years. Naya has him too, but you're right. Kong, Kong didn't give a shit. Yeah, I'm big. I'll knock you the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're right. That's totally what Naya should have been. I, I would keep Naya. Um, would you put her down in training? No, I would leave her on Raw. They need at least some, in, you know, impressive. If if it's it, put it this way, if she was smaller in size, I would put it back in NXT in a second. Yeah, but the fact that you know, her size could be used to her advantage better. She would be a good fit on Raw. I would not want her to interact with those on SmackDown right now because I, even though I think the matches would be good, 
Um, I, I don't want to see her go over on Charlotte. I don't want to see her go over on Oscar. I don't want to see her go over on Becky Lynch. And I don't want to see her lose to three, four different people in feuds over and over and over again. Right. So I would have a dominate on Raw. Well, then that's the other thing, too, is that you talk about the weight and stuff like that and everybody else does. But the reality is, is she really is supposed to be a titan amongst men. You know what I mean? They, they, I think they're starting to finally understand that. Yeah. And it's, it's taken a, a few uh, blips in the road, you know, a, a few bad turns in order to get there. But I think they're finally starting to understand that. Yeah, you're not supposed to be like most girls. You're not. Like most girls, you're bigger than them. You are physically more capable than them because of your size alone. You can do things on a whim that other girls would have to struggle to do. Monsters usually don't have to advertise that they're a monster. They just be a monster. Right. And she has to advertise over and over again about her weight. Stop advertising about being a big person, overweight, heavy. I don't... I, I see... Scientifically, she's overweight, but I think sure. she's a very beautiful woman, and she's extremely talented. Oh yeah, no, that's just but be a too. fucking monster. Stop telling right. us you're a monster. Right, right, right. Absolutely, Ronda Rousey. Oh, I keep her exactly what she's doing right now. She right. she's developing. She's doing great. You know, some of her moves make me nervous, but I also that realize, was, uh, fuck. After watching her, uh, what was that match that she just had where she was just flipping Nia all over the place? Yeah, dude, she's she is a fish. She is a fish to water. She was definitely made for wrestling. I mean, besides MMA, she is very comfortable in that ring. And I know she's really young as far as experience goes, but she's picking it up fast. Yeah, like I mean, she picks it up real fast, and she knows how to work the crowd too. She I know. Knows how- crowd into it i know a lot of people would love to see her on smackdown and commingle with the women there right now personally keep her on raw leave it the way that she is let her develop let her gel i mean there's a lot of untapped potential still she's like one of the only reasons that people even pay attention to yeah raw. leave leave it alone don't touch it yeah. it's fine ruby riot You know, it's interesting. I know a lot of people that listen to metal that, you know, they're into like, they they fucking adore her. They think she's amazing. She's going to be a major superstar. She's great on the mic. She's great as a heel. She is um, entertaining. I, I know some people are confused with the amount of losses that she's getting. I personally would. I, she don't need a riot squad. The riots. No. The riot squad needs her. She doesn't need them. She could be a bigger star without having two women going down to the ring with her. I, I would keep her on Raw, but I would get rid of the entourage. It's just, it's keeping her down. It really is, and I think WWE also realizes that Ruby Riot without. The riot squad; those two women don't have a chance. They'll right. get lost in the shuffle. And I honestly think there's going to be a split very, very soon. Very, very soon. This women's tag team division that they're going to do—that might be the way that they're going to split up the riot squad. I don't like 
her with the other two. I don't care that they tour together. I don't care if they get tattoos together. I don't <laughs> care if they have lesbian sex together. I don't care if they break bread together. I don't care if they're the the they're the best women and the wedding party for each each. I don't care if they adopt each other as sisters. <laughs> as far as entertainment and television goes, yeah, Ruby Riot needs to be by herself. Ruby Riot is the female Dolph Ziggler. That's a great way to put it. That is she an excellent female, way to put it. She can sell. She can bump. She looks good in the ring. She's got, <clears throat> excuse me, she's got her own character. But you're not expecting any kind of titles on her, right? Not expecting her to move the needle. It's not necessary. The, well, that's kind of the point of the list, though. Too is who's going to eventually sell a ticket. But uh, what I'm going well, to I say mean, is, as far as the title right now, right. like I know so, some people are disgruntled, but there's no rush. But she has the capability of making people that are going to get the title look even better. Right. And that's something that's worth worth its weight in gold. She's one of those women right now that by her not getting the title, she's not losing stock. Right. There's some women that after a while you're like. Ember not- Moon is a perfect example. Yeah, I don't you see a title right. on her anytime. I, and if it happens... I don't know why it's happening. Ruby Riot. Right, right. That's the thing is Ember Moon and Ruby Riot. You can really compare their careers right now on the same path. They haven't done anything in order to really exemplify these these two individual girls. But Ember Moon feels like it's it's a lost. It's it's almost a lost cause. Mm. With Ruby Riot, it feels like she's there to enhance other people. Like the the way that these people have developed. You know, the way WWE has allowed these two, just these two individual girls to develop, it's amazing how just at night and day it is. Mm-hmm. You know, Ruby Riot feels like somebody that can elevate somebody's career. She can elevate their matches. And while Ember Moon is totally capable of that, it feels like nothing if you beat Ember right. Moon. See, I look at it like this. Six months from now, all right? Six months from now, they're both in the same roles that they are right now. Mm-hmm. Ruby Riot abruptly gets a title six months from now. I'd be like, okay, let's see what she does with it. Ember yeah. Moon gets a title six months from now. My immediate reaction is, why? Mm. So I don't think I don't think Ruby Riot is lost any stock because she hasn't been a champion yet. Um, she is great as a heel on the mic. Um, right. I I and you notice they don't focus on her look being different than everybody else. Yes, they kind of like... Not in the same way as... Not in the same way as Nia Jax, where we're reminded over and over and over and over again that she's not like most girls. I mean, Ruby Riot just does her thing. WWE doesn't focus on, you know, her look or... you know, It's... Oh. I know. I get it. Sarah Logan is the next one on the list. I'm sorry. I have nothing personal against her. Congrats. She just got married. Right. I, I don't know why she's on that main roster. Put in a fucking, called her a Viking. Taught, you know, they could have done the Southern dumb, more, you know, stupid, you know, the gimmick, you know, country girl thing. I mean, I you put a little face paint on it. I don't know why she's on this main roster. I, yeah, she's uh, she wouldn't. She's gone. Yeah. She, don't, uh, she don't even deserve any other time. I, it's done personal against her. I have no, no problem just, with her whatsoever. I just, I, I don't know why she's on this main roster. 
Right. She's she doesn't make sense. She doesn't fit. She doesn't in. click with it. She does nothing. Right. Uh although I will I will always give her credit for trying to cover for Brie Bella. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> for I, for you know what I mean? Like like she's not a great wrestler. She'll never she just doesn't have the it factor that some of these other girls do. You know, she's, but she has the wherewithal in order to protect other people's fuck up. So what's her gimmick? She's a Viking. She's a Viking hillbilly. Do we, does anybody give a fuck? No, that's just it. She needs a revamp, but I don't, I don't see anything like she's not amazing in the ring either. So if she was an Alaskan, she hunted fish. She She wrestles like a big person, but she's not big. She's got no uniqueness to herself because she's a fucking Viking. What the fuck is that? I mean, seriously, she she, there is nothing about. Seriously, look in the mirror. And what stands out about you that makes you such a unique character in the WWE? I like fucking raw fish. I could hike. I could fucking make a fire out of fucking grass. I, I don't give a shit. You, right. When you're in the ring between those ropes, you don't click for me. You, you backstory just, matters, but her backstory is garbage. So, I'd rather I'd rather watch Zack Ryder than watch her. <laughs> Sasha Sasha Banks. So, I I blame a lot of this on WWE, but you know the, these little things that come out, you know about you know her the way she is around fans and complaining late at night because Christmas calories are keeping her up in the hotel. You know, it's like she's a boss, but I'm sorry. I live in Howard Beach, Queens. I come from, you know, the the Gotti. I mean, John Gotti, God rest his soul. My family, I knew him a little bit. Not great. I mean, you know, I know the family. All right, those are bosses. Okay, you look at fucking some people out there in politics or sports, you know, you could look at someone and say, that's a fucking boss. Sasha Banks don't act like a boss. She acts like a prima donna bitch. Yeah. All right. And it's nothing personal against I I, to Sasha Sasha Banks fans right now that are upset. Hear me out for a minute. All right. She's the boss. She's got jewelry that say the boss. She's got a tattoo to her ass, fi- figuratively, that she's the boss. She don't act like a boss. She acts like a prima donna and a whiner. That's not a boss. John, That's John not a Gotti, fucking boss. John Gotti didn't have to wear a fucking chain around his neck saying that he's the boss. When you're a boss... People are supposed to be intimidated of you. People right. are supposed to be in awe of you. People right. are supposed to feel like they should be, you know, like, uh, can I help you with anything, sir? Oh, thank you, sir. Can I can I walk you, 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 you help your, your mother cross the street? Can let me do this? You do it out of respect. You watch the beginning of Goodfellas. When you see Ray Liotta as the kid and he's doing this and that, and he always says, why I do it? I did it out of respect. You know, I, when I always told the story. John Gotti got take it brought out of jail in around 1991 or whatever it was it was around that time he was out of jail and they ordered heroes from my father's store i delivered those heroes with my couple of my friends we went to his house brought them over the daily news was there they shot pictures of the whole story and i got caught holding a six-foot hero up in the air i posed for the camera and my friends too we got in the daily news and that weekend, I went to the fucking Masbeth Diner, 
on 69th Street and Elliott Avenue, you know, with my friends, and I couldn't wait. I had the fucking newspaper in my arms. We walked mm-hmm. into the diner. I put it on the table. I said, turn to page 32. They turn to page 32, and they see a picture of me with the heroes, and they looked. They said, wow, that's fucking cool. What happened? Then they saw the story that we delivered heroes stuff to John Gotti. They turned around and said to me, you're fucking proud of that? You're proud that you're you're giving catering and smiling for a guy that killed people. I was shocked. I said, to, I said, no. I said, you know, it's not. I I did it out of respect. And they're like, respect for what? And I got my ass handed to me from my friends, Italians too. And they were they did total opposite. But the thing is, is that even though as wacky as that sounded. That's a boss. You don't have to commit crimes to be a boss. But Sasha Banks is not a boss. That character is not a boss. Just because she's beautiful, just because she's talented, just because she's got a presence in the ring, that doesn't make you a boss. When you do these little things on on video, you have fan accounts, she won't, you know, I, I don't think fans should be able to touch her. No, her she's I don't think she, fans should be able to do that but the point is is there's too many things about her privately that we know about her and when that trickles into the character I'm the boss the boss of what right I that's agree. the problem I would keep her on raw but WWE needs to fucking tweak that character a little bit Tamina I get rid of her I get rid of her. She's. She, I, I've said this so many times over the years. After all of these years, no reaction whatsoever. Jimmy Snooker, uh, top five favorite of mine of all time. Jimmy, I laugh every single time I see her out there. I don't. <laughs> she. She's really. She. She. You know, when you are behind the scenes, even in an indie show, you always go up to everyone. Hi, my name is Anthony. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Big fan of your work. Nice to meet you. Oh, very nice to meet you. Oh, cool, cool. Very nice to meet you. My name is Anthony. Nice to meet you. Nice right. to meet you. Any Anybody that's in indie wrestling or has ever even been backstage, you know what I'm talking about. I picture that with her to this day, that whenever she's in the back, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Oh, nice to meet you. How's the fan? Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you for allowing me that. She must, you, she must be thanking God every single day. I always joke to myself and say, maybe she's got this fucking evidence about the the McMahon's (laughs) colluding with Jimmy Snooker as a cover up or something. And she's like, brother, brother, you ever let me go, brother. This is going to be in Phil Mushnick's mailbox, brother. It's going to be the, you know, what was that mysterious suitcase in 1982, brother? Well, I have the contents of the briefcase, and it's not a money in a bank contract, brother. So oh. you ever let me go, brother? This is, I joke. I don't really mean that, but right. why is she on the roster? I don't know. She makes me laugh. I think that's why she's on the roster. I'm sorry, Tamina. Nothing personal. I think she, I honestly wonder. They would never say it publicly. It'll be an embarrassment. But I wonder if Tamina ever looks in the hotel uh, mirror, in a hotel room, and says to herself, why am I in this company? Why am I on this roster? What do I give to the table that's so much different than everybody else? You know, notice how they never talk about how she's not like most girls, that she's big in size also. 
You know, they team her up with Nia Jax. They both they kind you know, of did that when they were trying to have her and Nia face off and she, she bought well, yeah. times. But, but I'm saying like, you don't see articles and tweets and Instagrams and awards and all this other stuff, you know, the big woman award, you know, most inspirational, like you don't hear any of that. And she's a big woman also. You yes. know, I, I wonder if she legitimately looks in the mirror and says, why am I on, why am I on this roster, brother? Seriously, why am I on this roster? What do I do that's so different than everybody else, brother? The crowd don't react to me, brother. Why am I on this roster, brother? Why am I here, brother? They don't do any storylines where my father is is a big fat head on a table, brother. Hmm. Ruby Riot's not making fun of my father, brother. Why am I in this company, brother? I honestly think she, I really believe that at some point she must ask herself, why am I on this roster? I think she's only there because Vince is just paying her salary as, you know. Guilt from 82? Mm, something. Something close to that, perhaps. This is just an opinion show, everyone. We're not trying to, like, accuse anybody right, of right, anything. Right. No legal no. letters needed. But uh, what about Asuka? Uh, I'm happy. I, I'm very happy because this reminds me of last year. People were frustrated about... Um, uh, Elias last year, I said, everyone relax. You don't want WWE to blow their load with Elias before WrestleMania. He's going to get lost in the shuffle. Too many people above him on the food chain. Let sure. WrestleMania come and gone. He'll start getting pushed. Exactly what happened. Said the same thing about Asuka early this year. I know you and I debate as far as her getting her streak ended at WrestleMania. I thought it was necessary. You needed to reel her back in. Not to the level of James Ellsworth in a cage and all that other stuff. But I said all year long, she's she's not Funaki. She's not damaged goods. She will be able to get the belt again. She will dominate. Just wait, wait, wait. It's not, you know, too far gone. It's it's not to point in no return. Wait, wait, wait. Now right. we got it. And I'm ecstatic. Leave her exactly the way she is. Becky Lynch. What can you say? I, I, you know, I, I kind of feel like since the flagship is is raw, kind of like think it, the first thing to shake things up is should have moved to the raw with Sasha Bailey to SmackDown, four horsewomen versus four horsewomen. If you're not going to go that route, you know, I don't want to wait to the Royal Rumble to have her win the Royal Rumble and then challenge Ronda Rousey. It, it, yes, it's four weeks away and it'll get here quicker than usual but I wished they would have come up with a more creative way to do it sooner but um, you know a month from now if she is feuding with Ronda then it'll be like okay cool it's finally here so I think you know right now you don't try to fix what's not broken Um, I just think WWE also realizes in perspective that Ronda Rousey, I mean, excuse me, that Becky Lynch is, and I've said this many times on the other shows, I said it on Sunday, she is the most popular woman on the roster right now. The only thing that's kind of said is, is that she's not generating fans to come back to watch because I, of I her. I think she, she's, she's, she's a giant Band-Aid right now. Well, I yeah, think yeah. Leave. Well, what I was going to say is I yeah. think... 
right now, you notice she's not affecting ratings. The core audience, like I said with the autograph signing thing before, you got a thousand people who are going to go to an autograph signing. You got a thousand, right. okay? What's happening right now is you're not all of a sudden getting 1,600 people and a thousand are showing up at 600 again turned away. No, you're getting the same thousand, but instead of 200 going Becky's way, you got 600 going Becky's way. And as a result, there are other people that are not getting as much attention. So you want it to where 2,000 people show up, and a lot of them went there just to see Becky. That hasn't happened yet. What, yeah, when you hear fans, oh, I went to this autograph signing just to see Becky, most of them were going anyway. And yes, diehard Becky fans will say, no, 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 I wasn't going, and Becky wasn't going. No, I wasn't going. Bullshit. You yeah. were going. It's just that Becky may not have been your first choice. Now she's your first choice. I, but I also feel that the minute she starts feuding with Ronda Rousey, that's where I might turn up a notch. Right. So. Uh, where, where, where was I? Uh, Billy Kay. <laughs> uh, like I said, nothing against him personally. The stuff that happened with uh, Meltzer and the Iconics was was un- unnecessary. You know, I'm a big supporter of Meltzer. I understand he was expressing an opinion, but, you know, that turned into a WWE making a statement and this, this and that. The Iconics, I know you want to represent all different countries and they got the Australian accent and everything. They are not fucking lay cool. They're not cool at all. To me, they just come off as two women that you would see on social media already, you know, like posing in front of a camera or posing in front of a video. I don't want to see them get their ass kicked. I don't want to see them on TV, period. There's nothing against them personally. They just do absolutely nothing for me as a wrestling fan. Having them cut these big promos and everything, you know, it's like people are booing, but they're like, why? It's like, did, 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 no. If they weren't Australian, I don't think they'd be on a roster right now. No. I just did let her go. Let them both go. Carmella. It's funny. You know, even in her role right now, she's not over. You know, when you dance, okay, it's a feel-good moment. People live in the crowd, they pop. But you hear a music hit, you can hear a pin drop still. Okay. She, she was overhyped. She, as the women's champion, she had to have an asterisk next to all of her wins. You know, James Ellsworth interfering, shortcut here, this and that. She, she's great at screaming, doing moonwalks and dancing. She's, she's yeah. not spectacular in the ring. A lot of it is gymnastic moves where she doesn't even connect half the time. Um, you know, she, but you know what? If little kids are dancing with her, and you got, you know, some fans that are just there, you know, they, look, they're not paying to see her. But if she's got a segment and she's making some people smile for a couple of minutes, you know, good. That's her role. But um, for me, as far as uh, women's wrestling or a fan goes, whether let me say it like this, and this is the worst thing to have. Whether she's on TV or she's not on TV wouldn't matter to me. Right. She's so not acting anything. I, I would let her go. If anything, I think she negatively affects things because they put her in situations that she doesn't belong. Championship matches, you know, it's just 
you know, know. the role that she's the role that she's in right now is not a bad role. I know a lot of people online try to like, wow, she went from this to this. Well, she shouldn't have been in the other position in the first place. Right. Totally agree. So in her role now, I don't have too much of a problem with it. But um the problem is you put her in the other role before. So now it looks like a major step down, which shouldn't have oh. been in the first place. She's a problem only because she's eating up time that you can actually use, valuable time that you can actually use on people that could make the title better. Well, like you know what? Instead of getting pancakes thrown around, you got her dancing. Yeah, that's very true. You know, I mean, you need you need a moment like that sometimes on a show. So I don't have too much of a problem with her right now in SmackDown. I would either leave her the way she is or let her go. Charlotte Flair. I'd leave it exactly the way it is. she is. I agree. She's fine. Lot- Lana. You know, I'm so I'm a fan of hers. She's trying so hard. She actually dances a hell of a lot better. I know my Kev, my co-host on Mondays, uh just thinks she's the drizzling shits dancing. I've seen her dance. <laughs> she knows how to dance. She is not paid to do you know, to show people up like that. She she I'm a fan of hers. I just I would have rather her been the foreign valet. Yes. I would have not changed it. I wouldn't have had her doing YouTube videos of her talking in a regular accent. Yes, we know she was in that movie. I didn't want to see, you know, they should have just left it the way it was before. But, it, but you know, it goes both ways, too. You know, when she's on social media trying to get more exposure, which I don't blame her for doing, and she's cutting promos in a regular voice. You know, it's really hard to have that suspension of disbelief of, you know, Vladimir Putin. Remember how much heat she used to get for that? Vladimir Putin. Especially yeah, now great. with Russia collusion. How the I fuck know. do you not capitalize on that shit? You know, so to me, I think they have damaged her. Um, I think if she's let go, she's not going on the indies. She's no. going to be an actress or be Rusev's wife. I wish it would turn around for her. I just don't see it. I have a feeling at the end of the day, you know, if, let me put it this way. The only way I could see her still work in wrestling is if Rusev were to get released with her. And then right. if you had Rusev and Lana showing up on a different promotion, that would be interesting. But as far as Lana being released and Rusev not being released, I think that would be, other than social media and maybe some TV shows and some movies, I don't think you would see most most of her. But then again, anybody on social media, you know I mean, you shoot a video, you're noticed. She's a very pretty girl, but she's a dime a dozen in Hollywood. Yeah. The thing is, is where, Lana, where Lana stepped up, her game was the fact that she, as a valet, she was very believable for for uh, Rusev. They worked very well together. She was very good in instrumentalizing, you know, Rusev's career in WWE. She was she was a very good trainer, handler, valet. You know, that was her position when she wanted to start doing Total Divas, when she wanted to start becoming a wrestler. These were not why people fell in love with Lana. And I think that while Lana has bigger aspirations for herself, the reality is is the fans want her a certain way, and she's not giving that to us. So if her continued 
career path is that she wants to remain a wrestler. She wants to remain a contender. I say get rid of her. But if she can go back to being the valet for Rusev, if there's a chance that Rusev has uh, a chance to kind of make himself uh, known again or to kind of be a contender again, it's not going to happen without Lana being his ambassador. Mm. I agree. And you know what? Lana, when she got signed, her aspirations in WWE all along might be what she's getting right now. Problem is, is fans didn't want it to go in that direction. And, you know, it's it might be point of no return. Mandy Rose, you already said. Yep. Um, Maurice. Uh, you know, I don't consider her even Arrest. a part-timer right now. She's a mom. She wife. She's fine in her role. She does decent in WrestleManias. Sure. Um, I would leave it away. She is, whether she's on TV for a little bit or not. She's in the corner of Miz. Um, I, I'm happy that him and uh, him and Maurice are getting uh, so much exposure with Miz and Misses. The difference is, is, be, is with their show, you feel like you still got the same two people. A lot right. of other shows, you know, you got, yes, you want to see different aspects. You want to get a little hints of behind the scenes and what what is someone really like, but it feels still or uh, authentic with them. Yeah, I think they're naturally that corny. Well, Maurice is different. Maurice in uh, in WWE is far more serious and seductive, yeah. stuff like that, which don't get me wrong. Obviously, that's a facet of her personality, but Miz is as cornball as he is in real life as he is on television. And that's why it works. Right. And he makes Maurice a cornball. So you take this beautiful woman who's French and seductive and all sexy and has done all these nude photos and everything else, and then you have her laughing like an idiot because her husband makes her laugh like that. Yeah, you know? and it works. Right. So it's right. good. Naomi. You know, it's funny because, you know, I, I know that she still cuts the promos. I'm going to get that belt back that's rightfully mine and this and that. Other than mixed match challenge and maybe like total divas, she's she's very likable. I'm a fan of her. I think she is good for the roster. I don't see her as a main event woman on the roster. Right. I think she probably is better suited for Raw. You already have Carmella dancing now. Uh, put Naomi on Raw so she could dance also. She's more got the gimmick with the neon and stuff like that. I think that's better suited for Raw. My only problem is is that I don't see her on any winning streak for the foreseeable future. I see her helping others go to the next level right now. And she's still young. So some people may look at that and say, wow, it's you know very young in her career. No, I think to this point now, she's very good complement for the women's roster, and she's talented, and she's really improved over the last couple of years, but I don't see anything more than that. I would keep her on Raw. Uh, I would move her to Raw. Um, I wouldn't put her on NXT. There's no reason to season her or change her gimmick. Right. Um, right. She has a gimmick, which is hard in itself. She's got the neon thing. Um, I just 
don't want to see her on SmackDown and constantly losing to these other women that are much, that much higher than her in the food chain. And I don't want her to turn into an Ember Moon. Right. You know what I mean? So I would rather see her on Raw, where she might actually get a little bit more of a of a shot to win matches. But the problem is with Ronda Rousey on Raw, you know, nobody's getting that title anytime soon. I, I think it's a good idea, though, to give her a switch of brand. Yeah. I, I think just putting her up against different people, she can elevate herself and other people at the same time. Sure. So Absolutely. Peyton Royce, obviously fire. Yeah, good. Uh, you said it earlier. Uh, Sonya Deville. Sonya Deville, you know, I, to me, she I got to see more. Right now, she's uh. just in limbo. You know, like, I, she's got to create a character for herself. And I'm sorry, calling her the first bisexual or, yeah. you know. You yeah. know I mean, like, I, you know, I don't, when I no, watch. No, it, it, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you, you, just, you, you know, know, let me put it this way. Sonya Deville, would you want to have your, the number one, um, you know, when, when you have a character. You know, you have the character and then underneath it, it's a little synopsis of what their gimmick is and what they're about. I mean, on a personal level, I already know the answer. If you say, do you really want to be, you know, featured because you're, you're, you know, gay? Because, Because as a gay person... I'm not gay, but if I was a gay person, I would be like, "Hell yeah!" I'm. I'd be happy and proud no, to show. Gay, but, gay isn't a gimmick, right? You know gay is mean? not a gimmick. Exactly. Exactly. I. I like. What, what's the basis of your character? I like to sleep with women and men. Uh, I don't even know if I would go that route. I, she's she's a, a tough. You know, like she's got that toughness to right. her. Right. I mean, she's got that fighter, that MMA fighter streak. But then you look at people like Ronda Rousey, and it's like, can you even call this girl? Yeah, Ronda Rousey probably the Ronda number one there. thing that her. Yeah, I put it back in NXT. When you have Deanna Perrazzo in there, I mean, yeah. come on. I just you know look, celebrate the fact of a lifestyle. It'll be inspirational to others who feel that they're held back or maybe wouldn't have a shot in wrestling. Of course, you showcase that. But you don't want to like feel like the only reason why you're on TV is because of your sexual orientation, right? Unless it's really exaggerated, you know. Like I'm not saying like to the gold dust level, but you know that's a lifestyle. What is the character development of Sonya Deville? And to me, there is very little of it right now. I would put it back in NXT. Yeah, and maybe okay. she could t- turn into the next Shayna Baszler. Yeah. yeah, and I said uh, Deanna Perrazzo. I, I meant to say Jasmine too. So okay, okay, that's all right. the The last one on the list is uh, Zelina Vega. Uh, you know, it's funny. You remember early this year, people were reporting, "Oh, her and uh, you know, seeing Almas, uh, you know, Vince's favorites, titles, right." Uh, she, I don't want to call her Melina Light because just because she's a Latino, but I like her. She's got ability. I just feel like WWE really started her off horribly. You know, being in the corner, seeing Almas, you know, she has, she still has a lot of that mystique about her that yeah. she's exotic. You don't know much about her, which is good. I personally think because it hasn't clicked. You know, right from the beginning, I'd consider moving her to Raw 
or maybe bringing it back to NXT for a little while until a different opportunity comes up. Um, I just right now keeping her in SmackDown. I uh, just it's not. I'm not feeling it. Do you think when Aleister Black finally comes up to the main roster, because we know it's going to happen sooner than later, do you think that they're going to put those two together? Possibly, like, uh, but is it really going to help her? I don't know. I, I, WWE likes their couples lately, let's be honest, from John and Nikki to Miz and Maurice to uh, and even to a lesser extent, uh, you know, like Naomi and uh, Jay. Uh, who else is uh, Lana Rusev? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of couples together in wwe that's why i'm kind of curious now that they're married well they need to get see it almost away from her as quickly as possible make fans forget about the fact that she was in his corner i think yeah i think they both need to be removed from each other i i think that it, it's it's a weird thing it's kind of like lita and essay rios is exactly what i get from cn almas and and Zelina uh, vega yeah that's a good good that's a good comparison absolutely Sit. Sadly, S.A. Rios or Mr. Aguila didn't really go on to much in his singles career in WWE, but I think Cian Almas has a lot more potential with 205 Live and kind of building himself up. Mm-hmm. I understand that they put Vega with him because he wasn't much of a talker, you know, and they didn't want to utilize his, you know, promo skills and stuff like that, which is fine um, because they're keeping the multilingual bit. But I think the guy is fantastic in the ring, and mm-hmm. I think that he's one of those few people that. He might be able to outshine his bad promo ability. You put him in the category like an Alberto Del Rio or Rusev. No, no, I don't because Al- Alberto Del Rio wasn't an exciting wrestler. Rusev is not an exciting wrestler. They're not an excitement wrestler. I guess is the best way to put it. Rusev is exciting to fans because he goes out there and he's smashy crush. Del Rio had technical matches and technical brawls, but he wasn't an exciting wrestler. He wasn't a spot wrestler. Cien Almas, on the other hand, can be a highlight reel. I really do. I, I think that that guy can absolutely be a human highlight reel. Whereas you forget or you forgive his inability to cut promos and stuff like that, just based off of wow did you see what that guy did wow did you see him jump off the top rope wow you know he's gotta he's gotta keep the fans by making us say wow every single time he does something i like the 205 idea i like the 205 live idea absolutely and that's another thing too is me and joey were even talking about that the 205 live experience needs to completely change they need to start bringing in the main roster talent for whatever reason some of these guys that are on the regular raw and putting them down in 205 live i don't understand why there's no real collaboration with that Mm -hmm. there's plenty of guys on the roster that are 205 live ready Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i hate to be that guy but i can see people like mysterio that's one I, I can even see a, a Seth, a Seth, a oh, Seth. Would never, they there. would never do that. You might Why? make an appearance, but I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying they don't want should, you to think he's a cruiserweight. Oh no. I understand that, but I, I, I can understand him not going for the title, but why can't he have matches? I don't see WWE doing that. It's not, I don't think it's a bad idea. Right. Special challenge. Right, exactly. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's this whole, I think 205 
isn't isn't successful because they've literally treated it like the bastard stepchild of WWE. Like you'll see more correlation between NXT and the main rosters than you will with 205 Live. 205 Live is literally its own entity almost in every way to the point where it's like completely segregated. Like you, you'd almost have to feel bad if you got drafted to 205 Live. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that there needs to be more of a collaboration. They need to expand that roster a little more. You want these kids to be successful. You want 205 Live to start picking up steam. You need to give people a reason to watch it and just shoving in more talent into that box with with no overhead, with no connection to the main roster or anything else like that. Because here's another thing too. At that same point, even if you're even if you don't want to look at it like Seth Rollins to two oh five live, well, why aren't the two oh five guys not having matches with people on the main roster? So even if you don't want them to go to two oh five live, I can understand that. And, and, and you kind of make sense when you say, well, you don't want people like Seth over there because you'll you'll think that that diminishes his character. But then why can't a 205 Live guy come over to WWE Raw and wrestle Seth Rollins? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's his turf then. Right. I, I just don't. I, I just see, I, I could like, see that. And then Seth Rollins shows up on 205 Live to get some revenge or something. Maybe somebody attacks him on Raw. Sure. Then that gives him an excuse to show up on tour. I think Live. Enzo, and it's going to go back to this, but I really think Enzo was going to be that bridge between the main roster and 205 Live. He really was going to be that bridge before everything went down. And I don't think it's ever recovered. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. 205 Live has some amazing talent, but creatively it has not recovered since Enzo's loss. Yeah. Merle Coombs Jr. asks, who do you think has a better chance of returning to WWE, Enzo or James Ellsworth? Enzo Enzo has a better chance. Uh, Enzo's, I, I don't know. I mean, Ellsworth is supposedly innocent, right? Like, that's that's the thing now is that, you know, he got away on a technicality. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh. It's I hard, know, man. I know. Yeah, it's I know. hard. I don't, still don't know the totally, whole story. I mean, the reason that Enzo's fired is totally, you know, on WWE. Like, the the Enzo, the whole split between Enzo and WWE is on WWE. It's WWE's fault. Right. WWE but, jumped the gun. But you see how he's he's not getting in trouble. But you see how he's acting outside. Do you really want someone? <laughs> I get weekly emails from him, DT. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. You know, <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't know. I mean, it's just, see, I look at it like this. See the New York Yankees? New York Yankees, when a baseball player signs with them, they have to be groomed. Short hair, no no facial hair. You might get away with a mustache. At, you know, that's why I loved when Reggie was on there when I was a kid. But for the most part, clean cut, clean shaven. All right. I don't. If you consider the WWE the Yankees, I don't. See oh, you can't. En- I don't see Enzo the clean cut Yankee. You you can't com- compare WWE and the Yankees on any level. No, the no, 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 no. Respectable ball organization. I'm not. I don't mean like that. But I mean in the sense that WWE wants you to fit a certain mold. And like I said, Enzo is not doing. He's not a criminal. He's not doing anything illegally. You may not like his music. You may not like his entertainment. But 
he is he has every right to do that. But in WWE's eyes, does he fit that mold to be one of their employees or independent contractors? And this is not a knock on Enzo. I'm just saying for WWE, I think they just look at him and they're like, is that what we want representing our company? Because remember, you're representing the company. Even though you may be an independent contractor, you're still representing the company. Whether you're on social media, whether you're at an airport, whether you're in a restaurant, you're at a store, you are representing the company. Even though your private life is your private life, it has nothing to do with WWE, you should have every right to do what you want in your private life as long as it's not breaking the law. Um, But still, you have that stigma that if you're working for WWE, you represent WWE 24-7-365. I have nothing against Enzo. You and I have defended him, that whack job since day one. Um, the, you know, I'm talking about the girl, not him. <laughs> and yeah. um, But I just look at, from the outside in, at WWE standards, he doesn't fit that mold. You know what I compare it to? I'll give you a good one. It's a lot more acceptable now. TV commercials go out of their way to do this once in a while. But you go back 20, 30 years, you worked in an office, you ran an office, an insurance office, a banking office, and a guy that walked in with fucking nose piercings, tattoos all over his body, long hair. Hey, good good, good afternoon. I would like to apply for the bank teller's position. Mm. They would fucking come up with every excuse in the book not to hire you. Do we right. want someone with a nose ring on, on, on a bank teller? You know, old ladies come up, and when you make it, you pass it. And then a fucking guy looks like a freak with tattoos all over his face. 20, 30 years ago, you wouldn't have a shot to get a job like that. Now it's a little different, but Enzo is the nose pierced, tattooed all over his face, long hair. You know, even though he doesn't have some of that, but... That's what he comes across, in my opinion, in the banking. Well, I don't think that I don't think that that matters as much anymore. Like his image and his personality are outgoing. asking women, you know, the, who you who wants to hook up this weekend so I could bang you, but even though it's legal. Done, but look at what he's done for WWE. People still talk about him. I know. You know what I mean, Enzo. Enzo, he had his faults. He still has his faults. But I think as a character, you can't ignore that. The oh, guy no. was oozing personality Absolutely. so much so Absolutely. that people paid attention. And when you have an entire company of people just trying for an inch of what Enzo did naturally, I'm sorry. He's worth more to the company than, than anyone else. Pun, and, in, and, pun intended. WWE yeah. a little too soft? A little too soft. A little too soft. Although getting rid of big cast wasn't necessarily a bad idea. And those yeah. were better than cast. Yeah. Just is. Yeah. That I believe. I, I think d- they were great together, but, you know, Enzo was worth more. Yeah. So uh, I think we both agree Enzo would be, has a better chance of returning. Yeah. The James Ellsworth thing, look, even if he's, even if, it, if you look at it, it like it was a complete mistake, he didn't mean this. And like, I don't, I don't care what, what story you come up with. The reality is, is a 16-year-old girl got nude pictures from James Ellsworth. Yep. However you want to look at it, however you want to spin it, at the end of the day, it's just like, whoa. 
You know, I mean, even if he's completely innocent and it was rubber banded from somebody else or whatever, it just the fact he still did it. Yeah. Even if it was sent to a 30 year old, he still did that. We don't want someone like that representing our company. Well, I mean, you can't say that or else Seth Rollins would have been gone a long time ago. Well, Seth Rollins didn't. Well, no, no, let's be honest. I, I I don't defend Seth Rollins with that photo, but I will here. Seth Rollins didn't take a picture of him in the hotel room and then sent it to someone, you know, True. that it got in the wrong hands. Someone posted that to be yeah. spiteful. That's right. different. If if someone would have posted the photo of Ellsworth to be spiteful and he didn't send it, that's different. But Ellsworth yeah. purposely hit the send button, whether who, no matter who got it, he hit the send button. Seth Rollins didn't hit the send button. Right. Fair so that's enough. that's why I don't compare the two. Fair enough. Um Merle also wants to know, can, do we have any idea why the Patreon flare doesn't show up on the Reddit app on so, several cell on cell phones? I nope. don't know. I, I that's a Reddit technical issue, I would think. That's a Patreon technical issue. Uh some of this stuff like it, I got hit up the other day, somebody asking about credit card issues and stuff like that. And I, you got to realize when it comes to Patreon, Patreon is the physical middleman of all of this. We put up the entertainment, you know, we put up the posts and stuff like that of the shows. Um, you know, we take care of the prizes and everything else like that. But as far as anything that could be Patreon related from payments to technical issues, we don't, we don't deal with that at all. Right. Uh, DT, we don't, we, even if we wanted to deal with it, we can't. Right, right. It's, it's, I mean, if you have Patreon, Patreon will tell you as a creator, send them to us. Yeah. If it's a technical issue, send them to us. And, and we do because it's, yeah. you know, it, it's not something that we deal with. We don't even physically deal with the money. So when you think that you're giving us whatever, you know, amount that you're giving us from five to 25 or whatever, uh, we don't get that. We don't get that. That goes to Patreon and Patreon pays us out at right. the end of the month right. or at the beginning of the next month, I should say. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I would, my suggestion, Murrow is uh, send a little message to Patreon. I think yeah. the more, the more people out there do that, the more Patreon will jump on this. Right. Um, Cause remember Patreon. Yes. We provide the entertainment. Yes. We provide the platform. You sign up for it. But at the end of the day, you know, we're not giving money to Patreon, so to speak. You are. So I think if enough people step up and contact Patreon and say, hey, you know, how come uh, the Patreon flare is not showing up on the Reddit app? I think they'll address it and get it fixed. I think that's a. I think that's another misnomer, or misnomer too, is that a lot of people think that when they donate, they donate directly to us. And that's not true. I mean, we do say donate to the Patreon you know, donate to Wrestling Soup, donate to the Don Tony D. Um, but the reality is, is you're actually donating to Patreon, who in turn gives us the money at the right. end. Or and they the do end. the right thing. Right. No, uh, no, they do. I'm just saying that's, but I think a lot of people think that, oh, well, Don Tony's physically got my $25 in his pocket. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> that's not how that works. That's true. That's true. By the way, again, thank you again, patrons. Much appreciated and definitely looking forward to uh, doing the live SmackDown slash chat recaps starting Tuesday, January 8th. And for those listening that are not on Patreon, 
Better, never a better time to sign up. Patreon.com slash Don Tony. Patreon.com slash Wrestling Soup. What a lot of listeners will do is $5 to DTKC, $5 to Wrestling Soup. Hundreds, if not over a 1,000 hours of content easily, exclusive to Patreon. And you just get so much. And uh, that, it's just, it's a ball to do these shows. It's absolutely a ball. It's funny, before we went live, you know, we were talking about doing the Tuesday and a few other things. And your concern was, uh, DT, don't burn out. <laughs> don't get burned out. Nah, man. Our patrons show support. It's like heroin, man. Just, to, you know, I'll keep dishing it out, doing whatever I can. So uh, shout out to John Hennef. He had a Patreon podcast idea. I love this. I never thought about doing this. I've seen others do it. I Just a one-off. If you're interested in doing it in the future, I don't know hmm. if you saw his message, but he said, what about doing what like some of these other shows have done online where we watch a movie, for example, Goodfellas. And by the way, John just saw Goodfellas for the first time in his life and quote, he fucking loved it. He, oh. now, he now understands why it's my favorite movie of all time. He wants you and I to do a watch along. Oh, okay. Like a like a Mystery Science Theater 3000 kind of deal? Yeah. Basically, for those that don't know what this is, basically we have Goodfellas playing. And while the movie is going, you and I are doing a podcast and we're talking as the movie is progressing. Yeah. And we're, we're telling stories as things happen. And this is awesome because I picture it already. When he's getting whipped with the belt... I immediately oh, yeah. could flash back from when my father, when I was a kid, he used to whip me with the belt and he broke sure. the hanger over my thumb and it swelled up like a ball. And my grandmother's like, you're a fucking nut. I don't want to be here. My father's like, get the fuck out of here, you fat bastard. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? You don't even know how to drive. What are you going to do? Take a cab at 12 o'clock at night? Fuck you. Get out of here. And oh, Just struck a nerve. <laughs> I love my father. That My father, when I was young, was very rough, very tough. But my father turned into a cupcake about 25, 30 years ago. He is one of the nicest people you would ever come across. But not only did he take the shirt off of his back for anybody, he is just absolutely wonderful. But uh, I exaggerated, obviously, a little bit. It wasn't that bad. I mean, I for the people that know the story already, good. For the people that don't know... When I was in like seventh grade, I misbehaved quite a bit. And there was one night, a parent-teacher night. My grandmother was babysitting me and my brother. And my parents went to parent-teacher night. And all my grades were good. But when it came to, you know, my behavior, it was not good. And I remember one of my teachers writing on the back of the report card that Anthony is one of the brightest students in my class. But he has a problem with not keeping his mouth shut. And said all these things about my behavior. And I ultimately got kicked out of PS128 for breaking their heating system, for melting crayons on the heaters and stuff like that. So my father came home very embarrassed, very angry that he's putting me through, you know, a nice school. And he's, it's just like the movie Goodfellas. When uh, the father sees the young Ray Liotta and says, uh, had a good t- good day at school today? You know, and he's like, you haven't been in school in months. And he whipped out the belt and he started whipping the young Ray Liotta. That's what happened with my father and me. 
I mean, yeah. right now we could be doing that the watch along, and as that scene is going, I'm telling the story that my father came home that night, my grandmother was babysitting us, and I, you know he's talking about my brother's grades. My brother's grades were good. He stayed out of trouble. Me, he reads A, B plus, B minus, plus A, A plus. Then when it came to behavior, F. And he fucking, there was a wooden hanger on the table and he picked up that hanger and just whacked me in my hand with it. It looked like somebody sewed a golf ball above my thumb. And my mm. grandmother freaked out and she fucking like wobbled out of the house. My grandmother, God rest his soul, you've seen pictures of her. She's yeah. the one who got me into wrestling. My grandmother was like four foot 11, 220 pounds, 230. She was such a wonderful woman. My God, I miss her. But, yeah. um... She freaked out. She fucking ran out of that house like like a kid runs to an ice cream truck. And, uh, you know, my father didn't mean it. He just, he snapped. He snapped, right. you know. But uh, that's what the watch along would be. So we got to do it one day. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, I love the idea, John. John gets a T-shirt just for that idea. Loved it. Loved it. Uh, we'll get some questions. And by the way, uh, Mish, bravo for the keep a fire. It's not even something we plan on doing, but I love no, it. Just off the off the top, you know, we we every once in a while, like I said, me and Joe usually do them, but they're fun. And considering that we're at the end of the year and stuff like that, there's yeah. going to be changes. And WWE is promising changes. Why not take a look at the rosters that WWE has? I mean, we didn't even do the men, which right. you could save that for another show. But, yeah, sure. But I mean, they're talking about shakeups. They're talking about changes. Well, you know, look at the core of what WWE has. Examine the bits and parts of the roster that WWE has and then decide where WWE needs change. You know what? You know what we should do in the next episode? Let's focus on the women in NXT and maybe we'll do something like elevate or negate. Negate, negate or elevate. See who should go up to the main roster and who maybe should stay where they are. Or maybe they should just leave because they're taking up space in NXT. Okay. All right. Uh, Joseph Nikoluk. Um, do we prefer cake or pie and why? <laughs> pie. And why? Yeah. Pie is better. You know. Why see, I like pie. <laughs> <laughs> see, I like apple pie, pumpkin pie. No, this is not a rock promo if people think we're going that way. Um, they just ask some preference as far as uh, sweets go. But me, I would love like a nice piece of chocolate cake. Strawberry shortcake, oh my god! Um, banana cream pie though, coconut uh, cream pie. That's, that's, uh, that's, yeah, you know what? I gotta go with pie also. I had a nice piece of coconut cream pie yesterday. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what somebody brought to and I tried it too. They made a gigantic chocolate chip cookie and turned it into a pie, and it had like white frosting around the end with with the Christmas tree in the middle, and it was green, like, frosting. and so It was out of this world. Huh. Ate like a pig this weekend. Uh, Mish, would you ever give anyone from out of town a bottle of Malort? Is that how you pronounce it? Or, yeah. What is that? It's, uh, it's like a shitty Chicago whiskey. <laughs> okay. You wanted to know it's, if that uh, would... Is that a gift you would ever give someone, or is it that shitty? I mean... I, it's kind of a thing here. I, I I don't Jepsons is basically you know it, I've had it, but I don't see people running around the city drinking this shit. <laughs> okay, like it's it's supposedly <laughs> a big staple of Chicago drinking, and yeah. 
maybe it is, but it's, it's, I've, I've only run into it a couple times in my entire life. You know what I mean? People are not just buying this stuff regularly. It's, it's supposedly, it's just really, really shitty. <laughs> uh, I think it's whiskey. It's not gin, right? I think it's whiskey. Fuck. It's why, uh why would uh, people like gin is not something like you would like you don't hear too many gin drinkers. That's Pilsner, yeah. it's Wormwood. Oh, okay, okay. I never yeah. heard of it before, but I'm Yeah, gonna... I mean I mean if you ever if you ever want me to send you a bottle, I can do it. Oh no, no, I don't drink gin. It's it's compared to I don't uh, drink whiskey either. It, it it's comparative to gasoline. Ugh, if you me. like the smell and taste of gasoline, no, then no, thank you. like Malort. Is is Johnny Walker whiskey? Yeah. Th- yeah. Ever since the incident in high school with the Johnny Walker black, I can't drink whiskey. Can't even smell it. I will throw up. I will never, ever be able to drink whiskey again. Should I tell everybody the story really quickly what happened to me? I, I know some of you have heard it before. I'll give the very short version of it. When I used to live in Middle Village, my father, when I was a baby up until you know it was maybe like a preteen my father worked for a supermarket called scutoro and he was the manager of the store and every christmas he would get bottles of liquor and usually it was johnny walker red johnny walker black and from like the late 60s until the early 80s my father got dozens and dozens and dozens of this johnny walker stuff And my father had a gigantic bar in the basement and these bottles would be taking up, collecting dust for years and years and years because nobody drank. My father didn't drink much either. He had wine and that was it. So what happened was um, once he quits Guitaros and set up his own business in the early 80s, obviously the bottle stopped because he was now like the owner of a place and this and that. And... um, what started happening was when I, when I went to St. Francis Prep High School and it came Christmas time, like we always wanted to give our teachers a little something for the holidays. My father came up with this idea, like, why don't you give your teachers a bottle? You know, like a bottle of scotch. Yeah. I th- that's what I think it is, it's scotch. It's a bottle of scotch or a bottle of vodka, whatever. That, and my father would take like bottles out of the basement. You take like a wet rag, clean the dust off and everything. And you'd have, you know, Christmas gift. Easy. I don't have to pay nothing. I don't have to spend money. But what was awesome about him is because you got bottles of Johnny Walker sitting in the closet stamped circa 1968. And you sit sitting down in the basement for 20 plus years. Not only is it aged scotch, but tack on another 20, 30 years to it. So this shit was rare. So mm. my teachers loved when I gave this stuff. So in junior year of high school, I used to be friendly with my art teacher. I'm not going to mention his name. Um, not, f- you know, friendly in a sexual way, but friendly. If anybody remembers the movie, um, was it Fast Time? No, it was Animal House. I think where the teacher used to like smoke weed with the students or whatever. We used to mm. go to Cunningham Park and we used to hang out with him and smoke weed. So he was a really cool, and I used to draw, and he said, one day you're going to be a fucking architect, and this and that, fine. So Christmas, junior year, I go to uh, school that day, had in my bag four bottles of scotch, Johnny Walker Black, Johnny Walker Red. I was going to give each one of my teachers a bottle for Christmas. I don't remember what happened, but I got into an argument with my art teacher, and I said, you know what? 
I ain't giving this motherfucker a gift. I don't know what happened. I don't remember why, but I did not give him the bottle. So school ends. I'm on the bus going home. It was the 88 special. That was the bus we used to take from St. Francis Prep, Fresh Meadows, Queens. It would take us all the way to Queen Center Mall. Bus rides about 30, 40 minutes. Same bus where I was told, you know, throwing the eyeballs at the, you know, Puerto Ricans and the, you know, the blacks and the Irish on Main Street. You know, we would have these wars with them. So uh, we're on the bus trip coming home. And I remember sitting in the back of the bus and we're hanging out with these guys and these girls. And this girl that I was whipped uh, about, she saw the bottle hanging out of the bag. Yeah. She's like, what's that? And I looked and I was like, oh, fuck, I got scotch. She's like, take that out. So we take it out and everybody's having a little drink, a little slug here and there. So me trying to be a big shot, you know, impress her. She's like, you know, come on, go, 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 go. And I'm drinking, I'm drinking, I'm drinking. I get whacked beyond belief. <laughs> I mean, drinking straight up Johnny Walker on a bus ride home. We go to Queen Center Mall. Back in that day, you would go in the elevator and when the door would close, you'd be halfway between the floors and you would pull the doors open and you'd be like stuck between the floors. And for some reason, that was entertaining for us. And we would be on the elevators for like a half an hour. And nobody could get on the elevators. We would go on the escalators, go in the opposite way. People are going down. We're walking up. And I'm whacked beyond belief. Yeah. So I'm trying to sober up, but I'm having a hard time. So finally, after about two, three hours, I go home. I take the 38, go home. And I walk through the door. Meanwhile, I had gum. I thought that it was off my breath. I walk in and my my mother's like, what's wrong with you? I got a headache. She's like, you were drinking. Now I'm underage. She's uh, like, you were drinking. I'm like, no, 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 I have a headache, Ma. And she's, she's like, I'm going to tell your father. And I'm like, Ma, I just have a headache. And I fucking laid down and I fell asleep. You know, I was drunk beyond belief. Right, and right. This, this was um, Friday night. So anyway, long story short, no, 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 it wasn't a Friday night. It was a Thursday. It was a Thursday. I'm positive it was a Thursday. And anybody could go back, go to 1986, the week before Christmas. It was a Thursday. So it was right the day before Christmas vacation. So anyway, it was a Thursday. I laid down in bed. I closed my eyes. I get up. It's like 7 o'clock in the morning, 7.30 in the morning. I usually left to go to school at 6.30. So I'm like, Ma, why didn't you wake me up? Why didn't you wake me up? I'm late for school, you know, because school started like 8.30, whatever it was, 9 o'clock at the time. So I get up. I have a, like a bowl of cereal or something. My father's sitting at the table. He's like, you were drinking yesterday? I was like, no, Dad, no, Dad. He's like, don't fucking lie to me. I'm like, Dad, I got to get to school. I got to get to school. So I eat my cereal. I get my bag. I walk to the 38 bus two blocks from my house. I'm standing there waiting for the bus. I see my friend ride by in a bicycle. I'm like, hey, Joey, what's up? And I didn't even think anything in of it in the moment. But then I said to myself, why is he on a bike? I said, we got, you know, he didn't go to the same school as me, but, you know, he was the same age as me in the neighborhood. So I didn't think nothing of it. And I'm, I'm waiting for the bus. The bus is not coming. The bus is not coming. So finally, my father drives by and he rolls down the window and he says, get in. So I thought he was going to take me to Queen Center Mall so I can get on the 88 from there and go to school. Yeah. Instead, he drives back home. I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? I got to get to school. It was Saturday morning. <laughs> they let me get up, have cereal, get yeah. dressed, and go to the bus stop. I fucking slept for 24 hours. I mean, I got up in the middle of the night to take a leak and stuff like that, but I fucking passed out for a day and a half. 
Wow. And they fucking let me go through the ritual thinking that it was Friday morning and I'm going to school, but I passed out and I slept all the way until Saturday morning. Uh-huh. Ever since then, I cannot go anywhere near Johnny Walker. I don't blame you. Yep. So sorry, everyone. No. Uh, no. I, I, you know, this is breakfast soup, so we obviously, it's not just about wrestling here. And this leads to Andrew914. Uh, can we talk about that Matarats Carlton from Fresh Prince and the Backpack Kids suing the video game Fortnite for stealing their dances? Think they have a case? Uh, yeah, actually, I do think that they have a case. I think that it's a stupid lawsuit, but I do understand it. They they stole, I don't know about the backpack kid. I, I guess that's his, but I, I think I remember seeing people doing that in the 80s. So I don't know how much about that. But but Carlton, that is his likeness. He's, he's kind of known for his wacky dances. I mean, the Fresh Prince is still in syndication. Um, I I just, I, I don't know why they would, I don't know. A lawsuit, I guess, it makes sense. He probably doesn't have much money, but... I don't think that the people that created Fortnite were doing it to be malicious. If anything, it was an homage to their silliness as a, you know, point of victory. But yeah, I think, I think some money will come out of it. I don't know about the backpack kid though. Little fucking YouTube star, eh, whatever. But Well, you know what? I totally disagree. Okay. I don't think Carlton has a fucking chance in hell of winning anything. And I hope they don't settle out of court. I am convinced that somebody before Carlton danced like that. I don't know if it was a 50s movie or a TV show, but I know for yeah, it certain. Yeah, like the Charleston. It looks like he's doing the fucking Charleston. It looks it's like all- he's doing the Charleston. And not, just because right. he's the, the most famous person to do it doesn't mean that he has the right to sue for it. I always think back to when Michael Jackson used to do the moonwalk. All right. And a lot of people think that Michael Jackson created the moonwalk. Bill Bailey did it in the 40s. Oh, I All thought right. it was a- Did Bill Jerry- Bailey or anybody else sue Michael Jackson? The fuck out of here. Just because Carlton made it famous, he thinks he has rights to it, he well, it doesn't depends. deserve a penny. Fuck him and fuck the backpack kid. Let me ask this. If it was taken directly from a dance that he did, his variation. Does he have a case then? No, no, because you you didn't. If you take a if if you do five different move sets, and you do them in a particular order, you didn't create a dance. You're just taking a bunch of dance moves and you're doing it in a certain order. You didn't create it. You, you didn't trademark it. You just chose to do it in a certain order. There's a famous dance that Michael Jackson did from the movie, uh, from the, the movie, music video Thriller when he's the zombie. And you have all the zombies in the street and they're doing uh, the move where they're putting their arms up and down and they're going, you know, they're going in and out, in and out. And they, they do this certain dance set. And it's been recreated over and over and over again. You've seen people in New York City just stop what they're doing and they start going into this dance, which is right. wacky, but it's cool. I Even if that fucking... I know it's a difference between YouTube or video game and stuff like that. The point is, is that... Even if they use the same order, you didn't fucking create that. 
Right. You just decided to do something in a certain order. It's just like when you do the hustle. Or when you do the hustle, there's like three or four moves that you do, and you do them in a certain order because it looks nice. You know, when you do the Macarena, all right, the Macarena, if you notice, the Macarena has been recreated and done in movies and this and that. Nobody fucking sued for it. Why? Because the Macarena, they didn't create those moves. They created the order of it, and they had the music playing in the background, so Carlton did not create that dance move. If that's the case, then somebody should could have sued Carlton back in the day with Fresh Prince. It's funny how he never thought it was appropriate for anybody to sue him back in the day right. where I he could have cop- So now it's okay for, for him to sue somebody else to fight. They don't deserve shit. That's a good point. That's they don't deserve point. shit. Um, talk and discuss when Hogan sued Fruity Pebbles in 2010. Oh. Wasn't that the because of likeness? You, you did, oh, I know why. Because they did the commercial. Yeah, the cartoon or whatever. Yeah, they did a cartoon and it, and it looked awfully familiar, familiar to Hulk Hogan. Didn't they call it like Bulk Bogan or something like that? Yeah. So. <laughs> we covered that on the DTKC show. Yeah, yeah you did. Yeah. I, I mean, it's you, believe it or not, if you go, uh, Andrew, and you go to DTKC show archives, you could actually hear us having that discussion in 2010. You know, they just, they put this likeness. I always thought there is a TV commercial now. I don't remember the name of the mortgage company, but they always talk about, you know, like we buy, oh, I remember now, we buy ugly homes. All right. I don't remember the name of it, but anyone out there, just Google. In fact, I'm sure Mitch will pull it up. Look up, we buy ugly homes. Uh, homes, not, it's homes as in, where you live, not what's up homes. It's right. uh we buy ugly homes, look up that company. And when you look it up, that character awfully looks like fucking Fred Flintstone. When you see the character and you see the commercial and you see the background and you see the invite, I'm like, how the fuck did the creator of the Flintstones didn't sue this commercial? So we buy ugly houses. Or we, we buy, buy ugly houses. Yes. If you look it up, you'll see the cartoon. Just do a Google image search. I'm sure the cartoon is going to pop right up. That looks like that they copied the Flintstones. Yeah. yeah. So you you see what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, we buy ugly houses. I'm looking at it right now. But they never sued. They never had any right to, to sue, even though that image looks a lot like the fucking Flintstones. Right. So, again, you know, but it's not enough where it looked like a Flintstone. You see the head? The head don't look like a Fred Flintstone, but the the, out, the outfit's got dots on it. He's got bare feet. He's a caveman, and even the fucking... Nose. The nose is very cartoony to the Flintstones, too. Like, it's got it's got features. I yeah, can totally... but not enough to sue. Right. So, you know, but Hogan's was just over the top, and that's why they sued. Right. Um, and finally, what's our opinion on the Menendez brothers appearing on the 1990 Mark Jackson Knicks bas- basketball card? I don't know if you know about this. No, I didn't. Um, the Menendez brothers are famous for killing their parents. Yes. Rich bitches. Um, it is a very famous, infamous um, tragedy that happened uh, many years ago. I remember it all over the TV at the time. They were millionaires. They just were greedy. They thought they could get away with killing their parents. Anyway, after all of these years, uh, somebody noticed 
that a New York Knicks basketball card from 1990 of John Starks in the back, oh, not John Starks, Mark Jackson, in the background has the, the Menendez brothers sitting front row. And they're very young in the photo. If you look at the photo, it it's them. There's no doubt about it. But right. it looks eerily similar, but it's not 100% fact. But because of that, it's gained a life of its own. The value of the basketball card has increased significantly. Mm-hmm. eBay has now even taken down auctions of this card, which I think is... I don't want to say illegal, but I think that is way over the top mm-hmm. because you have like the the character that Ray Liotta uh, portrayed in Goodfellas. Right. He was in jail, uh, Henry Hill. He was in jail. He killed people. But meanwhile, he sells his artwork on eBay until he died. Why is that? Okay, but because they're sitting front row and they were featured on a basketball card that gets pulled? That what the fuck is that? Seriously, yeah. but yeah, no. I think if if the value goes up because somebody wants to collect that card with murderers in the front row, so be it. But for eBay to pull that shit, way out of bounds, in my opinion. Well, everybody's being sensitive these days, DT. That's what it's all about. Yes. How sensitive can one person or one company or one spokesperson be? Tell me about it. It's. Uh... It's fucked up. We are. Yeah. By the way, shout out to Chris Lumna. He bought Grandpa Pete's Sunday sauce, poured it over a plate of spaghetti and meatballs for Christmas Eve. He <laughs> wants to thank us for the recommendation. Very cool. And he also he also ordered some Gino's East for his birthday dinner. Oh, did he? Oh, yep. very good. Yeah. So happy birthday to you. And uh, that's an excellent pasta sauce. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Leo Nunez, um, who are the top five rivals of The Rock? He knows Triple H and Steve Austin have to be on there, but he was too young. Um, who are the other three? He comes up, you know, for example, Cena, Jericho, Foley. Um, as far as The yeah. Rock, Mick Foley goes up there. I would totally throw him in there. I would put Mick Foley in there. John Cena, I guess because of the Hollywood aspect of it but i never liked cena feuding with the rock i i mean the rock concerts were great and cena teasing thugonomics was great but as far as long-term feuds no full i mean technically the cena rock was a really long-term feud they waited a whole fucking year on this shit but i'd uh i'd put hogan in there hogan was yeah you know what i liked hogan's better than i like john cena's yeah hogan and rock was good um and that meant something to a lot of fans, too. So right there, we got four. We got Foley, Hogan, Austin, Triple H. Yeah. Fifth one, I wouldn't put Jericho. Jericho is great, you know, because of the you know, undisputed title, but I wouldn't put Jericho no. up there. I mean, he interacted with The Rock when he first came in. You know, when Jericho's... He interacted out. a few times. They've, they've had a couple of fights, but it's never been... Like a, an everlasting feud. I'm trying to think of Booker who. T. Booker, Maybe didn't he do? Didn't he bring out sucker? Yeah, he brought no, the midget Booker T out of there. I'm gonna get you, sucker. I I don't know if that was the Rock though. I I, I would actually have to change that up a little bit though. I would put in uh, uh, Ron Simmons. 
only okay. because it was him, his feud with Ron Simmons that broke him out of the nation of domination. Right. That really elevated him into becoming the rock. So you almost kind of have to give that one a nod just because of the importance of what it did for his career. Right. That I go with that. Yeah, that's fine. I actually, I think of this, I mean, obviously with this week of wrestling history, I relived a lot of that storyline and yeah, that elevated him to the next level. He became the leader of the nation of domination and then broke out on his own. Mm-hmm. Number one of all time, Steve Austin over Triple H. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I go with that. Uh, let's see, Cockboy, what's the greatest gifts we've ever given to anyone? Some of them. <laughs> well, that's kind of like... I guess he means Christmas gifts, like some cool Christmas gifts you've given to people. Just cool Christmas gifts, not the greatest. You know, for me, it's sad, you know, buying my mom stuff for a heart, sleep apnea. I know it's not like the ultimate Christmas gift, but I even, I swear on a stack of Bibles, I said this to my girlfriend over the weekend, the sleep uh, apnea machine that she's been on for the last couple of years, the so clean machine that I got her a year ago, the cleaning machine for her mask and everything, Greatest gift I ever bought. She uses it every single day. It's eliminated headaches that she's been getting because her masks were not completely sanitized and clean because she didn't have the machine. It helps her sleep better. You know, it's just, it's an odd gift to give to someone, but she uses it every day. So to me, that's the best gift. Um, I remember when I was dating my ex, she had a sister way back when, and her sister at the time was like six years old, seven years old. I got her this really cool swing set for Christmas, and um, I'd say about seven years ago, when the sister is now 23, I get this weird Facebook message like, Anthony, oh my God, is that you? And I see this incredibly hot 23-year-old covered in tattoos, skimpy, skimpy T-shirt on. And I'm saying to myself, this has got to be a joke or it's got to be somebody fucking, you know, that's ugly motherfucker that's just using some random chick's photos from a Google image search. I didn't even answer the message. I ignored it. Then I get the message, why won't you talk to me and this and that. And I honestly thought, this would be right before I met my girlfriend. And I honestly thought that somebody was playing like a hot, because I'm like, fuck is gonna why would a fucking 23 year old unbelievably hot chick you know like want to talk to me i'm not ugly but it was like it just didn't make sense so then i said okay i'll have some fun with i'm like who are you and she's like you don't recognize me and i'm like no i don't recognize you she says you bought me a swing set when i was seven and i never forgot it about it And I was like, no way. She's like, yes, I'm Jamie's sister. And I'm like, no way. We started talking. And I'm like saying to myself, this is weird. Because the last time I saw her, she was seven years old. Uh Now she's 23. And she's bangable. (laughs) And, And I'm talking to her. And I'm like saying to myself, okay, I don't know where this is actually going with this conversation because after a couple of weeks, you know, she's telling me how she had a bad relationship and she's this. And she brought up her sister once 
And I told her right at the beginning, I said, please. I said, you know, I I don't want to talk about her. I don't want to hear about her. I don't want to know how she's doing. You know, I just, I've right. blocked her out of my memory. If you're asking me, to, you know, ultimately to say, would you ever go back with her? I said, the answer is no. If you want to say hello about something else, fine. Did I honestly think I had a shot? No. Because I didn't want to re... Then I have to deal with the whole family again. And they're all fucking whack jobs. Mm. But for, you know, for a brief time, I thought to myself, this would be interesting. Then, sure enough, after a bunch of weeks, uh, just a random instant message. I'm on Messenger, and she's like, uh, would you ever talk to my sister again? That was it. I blocked her. <laughs> I blocked her. Never talked to her ever again. And sometimes yeah. I get a friend request. And it's a new Facebook page, and it's sometimes her or sister. I won't answer it. I just ignore it. But, yeah, that swing set, you know, was just weird how all those years later, like, she never forgot about it. And she was like, that was the coolest gift I ever got. So those two were the ones that stick out to me. Nice. What about you? Man, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I don't think I've ever given a present that's been the greatest so okay yeah i i get people what they need i've always been something like that like it's never been i mean i don't get like fucking underwear and socks for nobody but you know if it's something that they need i get it for them i i guess i've never been good at getting people what they want in this day and age it's like you get someone a microphone you get them like uh some software like i mean even with the kiddos i get them things that they need yeah you know, it's, I, I don't know. It's just you don't. I've, s- been, I've always been a fan of buying whatever you want for yourself. Right. Right. What, what you need, you know, like uh, like this year, um, I got the uh, the new uh, pick, the water pick, the new one with the fucking advanced. Oh, okay. All right. You know, and stuff like that because. You know, I had one once before. It fucking busted. It was a piece of shit. <laughs> I did. I got a real bad piece of shit one. And so I've just been going back to my battery operated <laughs> toothbrush. Yeah. And so this year, you know, even Tink, Tink got me a water pick in order to to replace the one that's been busted for over a year. You know, and I don't know if it's, she's trying to say that my teeth are horrible or if she's just trying to say here. But I appreciate more of something that I need than like getting a, a DVD or, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah. I've always been about what you need. Yeah, no, no. I'm that's cool with me. I mean, honestly, I know a lot of people that are like that. My brother's exactly like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just me, I always aim to what people want. Yes. People want something one time. Or or the worst case scenario, and this has happened, I'm sure, to everybody before. Uh matter of fact, the the the, the middle child is really guilty of this. He so he just got his presents and he just got some money. And the first thing he does is he buys a Nintendo Switch. Because we did Christmas exchange on the 23rd uh, in the house. And so the first thing he does is he buys himself a Nintendo Switch. His father bought him a Nintendo Switch. Oh. So now, because he couldn't wait two days. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's why you don't buy things that people want. You let people buy what they want. If you want to give them money or gift cards to things that they can pick out what they want in the genre or store that you want them to shop at, that's fine. 
but buying people what they want, it always ends up. Yeah, dude, that happened Christmas this year with my girlfriend. She wanted these black boots. And I told her, I said, wait until Christmas. Somebody may get it for you. My mom was going to give it. My mom told me, she's like, buy something for your girlfriend. I don't know what to get her. I'll give you the money for it. So black boots, what she wanted on Amazon. For the last three fucking weeks, you know, oh, my God, honey, I want those black boots. Wait till Christmas. You might get them. What did she do? Ten days ago, she bought the black boots. <laughs> right. And I, and I told her, I'm like, you couldn't wait till Christmas. My mom wanted to give you that. Now now she felt terrible. Right. So my mom had to give her something else. Give her perfume instead. But, yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's getting people what they want is rough. So when you ask what's the greatest gift you've ever given. Something that they given? mean and use. Yeah, something that people use. Okay. Um, he wanted our thoughts on, uh, Finn Balor possibly doing the Foley thing at the Royal Rumble coming out, coming out as Finn Balor the first time. And then maybe coming out as, uh, you know, the demon the second time. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. They would have to do a very quick makeup job. Yeah, it's not crazy, but I mean, I don't know how much WWE wants to invest in Finn Balor anymore. I he still have- I hold out hope. I do too, but he almost feels like a passe project as far as WWE is concerned. I mean, they just made a big announcement of the six new people that they brought up from NXT, and now you're saying that they're going to have to try and re-evolve Finn Balor? No. I think they will. WWE's answer to a lot of these gaping wounds that they have is to just throw in more talent. Yeah. Yeah, it's, is, like, it's like a failing restaurant, and instead of improving the menu, they say, oh, coming out next week, pumpkin muffins. Right. We got more choices of shit food, but it's more choices. Yeah. Right. I think Finn Balor, as I look at it, Finn Balor is one of the most popular wrestlers on the roster. You know, when I, I, I argue with Kev on the other show because a lot of times he's like, Tell me one person that's over, like Seth Rollins or something, and like Finn Balor. And he's like, no, he's not. I'm like, have you heard his reaction? Of course he is. WWE sees the reaction that Finn Balor gets, so they figure, okay, he's over. We don't have to worry about him right now. So now it gets to the point where, okay, now you have to make a decision. Do we elevate him to the next level or not? I think Finn Balor will be elevated to the next level Sooner than later. May not happen until after Mania, but Finn Balor will get elevated to heavyweight championship status. Mm. Before 2020, Finn Balor will be a heavyweight champion in the WWE, in my opinion. Um, And if anyone out there remember December 26th when I said this, and, you know, when it happens, I don't know what say. Oh, well, common sense. So what happened? No, well, how, how long has he been in the company and it hasn't happened? Yes, he was a universal champion and got injured, but since then. So yeah. it's not like, okay, you say it every year and sooner or later you're going to be right. No. Before 365 days from now, within the next year, Finn Balor will be a heavyweight champion in the WWE. Bank mm-hmm. on it. Bank on it. It's just a hunch just a hunch do you believe in uh illegals aliens spaceships hovering over us do i believe illegal aliens are hovering above us well he he doesn't oh no he said aliens he didn't mean the illegal type do you believe in aliens i was gonna say when did mexicans get uh, no no no. this is cock boy (laughs) asking this 
Uh, uh, yeah, I, I do. There's definitely alien life form. There definitely is. If we if we're a life form, there's got to be others out there. Right. I mean, what makes us so special? Seriously, there's definitely alien life form out there. Um, and he also brought up the statement. He remembers something that if Hillary would have been president, she would have re- exposed Area 51. Uh, you know, I don't buy into that. People say what they want to say to get elected. I'm not saying Hillary said that she would do that, but for people out there that like science fiction, if you've never heard of Area 51, do a YouTube search. You'll have mm-hmm. some fun. You'll have some great entertainment to choose from. Uh, shout out to, we're almost done, by the way. Shout out to Jay Moss. Been listening for a while. Helped him through some very tough times. Thanks as both. What do we think of Freddy Krueger's babyface turn in The Dream Child, the fifth Elm Street movie? And what other slash film killers that uh, were face and heel to us? Like, you know, like, I mean, look, killers were always heels for the most part. But what killers, I guess what he's saying is what killers to you? Did you look at them as like a baby face? Like Freddy Krueger, after a while, you liked when he killed people. Right. Were there yeah. any other people from the past that you actually, you know, like, I mean, I was, I didn't care who the killer was. When you had that annoying bitch in the corner that wouldn't have the wherewithal to get into the running car and drive away, or you, you know what I mean? Like instead just decide, oh, I'll go into the bathroom. And maybe I could hide over there and then you realize you got nowhere to go and then you're killed. Like, those mm-hmm. people deserve to die. You know? Yeah, I... Uh, Did you ever look know. at Michael Myers or Jason, like, as a baby face, like you wanted to see him kill people? No. No, Pin Pinhead is probably the closest I get. Okay. But that's only because some of the people that he killed were just as evil, <laughs> you know? yeah. You know, that's that's actually not a bad question you think about, it, other than Freddy Krueger. Right. Freddy Krueger makes sense. He did. I don't know, because Freddy Krueger, all of a sudden, you felt... Well, they you made felt it sympathy. funny. You felt sympathy for Freddy Krueger when you found out what they did to him. Yes. When you found out what the parents did to him. And then it's like, oh... Yeah, Freddy Krueger was fucked up, but did he really deserve all that? The cursing and the fucking burning alive and... Yeah, I didn't even root for Kane when he did his see no evil. Like, (laughs) even though he was a wrestler, I was like, get him, get him. No, I actually, I didn't get into him like a baby face. Like, go kill them, go kill them. I just natural born killers kind of rooted. Okay, all right, yeah, that's not a bad one. That's actually not a bad one because at the end, remember they were doing the video footage and oh, this is cool. It was like like reality TV. Right. Yeah. Uh... Fuck. I don't know. I'm sure there's a bunch. I'm just blanking on them right now. What about now. that scary movie? There was no real one particular person, no, I guess. Yeah. Creep Show creep. was a little montage of different killers, which was fun. Some right. of the some of the skits from Creep Show. Like when they had Ted Ted dancing in in, in the sand. Remember right. when, when Leslie Nielsen Barry yes, Ted Danson, and then he was waiting for high tide, and that was fucking cool. I was, was like, "Yeah, like, kill that motherfucker." You I kind of the roaches to. I, I was kind of rooting for the roaches in the guy's sterile room. The rich dude. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Creep Show was good. Creep Show was. Good. I always remember Creep Show because of Bob Backlund fighting not Arthur. It was Samoan number one, I think. 
Oh. Yeah. He, there's a little segment where they're watching wrestling. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Andy Shanks, he knows that we're both fans of the Doors, probably more than to you than me. Name your 10 most famous Doors tunes. Now, that's a little much to get into doing the show over here. Um, I'll read you his list. I think we would all agree with it, but I came up with a couple other ones that are not on his list. He has Lover Madly, 5 to 1, Not to Touch the Earth, Peace Frog, Crystal Ship. He play. He wants that played at his funeral, by the way. Roadhouse <laughs> Blues, Light My Fire, Spanish Caravan, My Eyes Have Seen You, and L.A. Woman. Um, it's no in- get. Yeah, he didn't put Riders of the Storm. Yeah, People Are Strange. People Are Strange is my number one. Break On Through. I don't think that was on his list. Actually, he was talking about that one song for his funeral. I would probably play uh, a feast of friends, which technically isn't the Doors. It's uh, from Jim Morrison's "An American Prayer." It's from his solo stuff, but the the song and the somberness of it of a feast for friends, ah, uh, that's a good funeral song to play. Okay, all yeah. right. I, I'll tell you two others that I like. I don't think we're on his list. I can see your face in my mind. Okay, my, my eyes have seen you. And you know, you know where I actually really started to get into those songs. Strange Days is is one of my favorites too. That's yes, that. yeah. Um, Miami Vice. Here's a little tidbit that I knew for a long time. Miami Vice was very famous for playing music uh, during their their shows. I'm mm. I'm a gigantic fan of Miami Vice. The Doors is the artist that they featured the most number of songs on than anybody else. You think of Miami Vice, 80s, you know, like all neon colors and, you know, Phil Collins. Right. The Doors, the number number one group that had the most different songs on Miami Vice. Mm. True story. Uh, Known Soldier, When the Music's Over. I, I, I like that one, too. When the Music's Over is also a good funeral song. If you ask me. Yeah, that's not bad. I never thought of what song I want at my funeral. I got to think about that. I never even thought about that. Yeah, I, I often think about that. Really? I've never <laughs> thought about funeral, it. My funeral. Jesus. Yeah, I uh, haven't thought about that with my funeral. Do you, you When you die, you want to be buried or cremated? Uh, Do you ever think of that? Cremated. Yeah. Yeah. I'm buried, I don't want to take up any more fucking room. Yeah. I, I never asked my mom. But I'm hoping that, you know, where the, I know they definitely bought. Well, usually you find out in the will is usually when they tell you. Yeah. But where my grandmother's buried, it's inside a building, you know, at, a, at the cemetery. So which is beautiful. Oh, it's a mausoleum. Yeah, it's oh. a mausoleum. And I know that my parents <sighs> bought space right next to it. That's pricey, man. <laughs> it is. But I always. When I I haven't visited my grandmother in about ten years, I definitely need to go visit her. She and for everyone out there, thank her. She's the reason why I'm on the show right now. She got me into wrestling, but she died in 1991. Um, last time I looked, like I was looking at the mausoleum and just thinking to myself, I'm like, where am I supposed to fit here? <laughs> like, I didn't see, like, any extra room for me. Like, I see, like, room for my mom and my dad. I'm like, where am I going to be? Right. But uh, I I don't know if I want to be cremated. I definitely want to. I already told my whole family that 
I will come back to haunt them and their grandchildren. People that cremated are not remembered. That's the difference. Yeah. If you're if you're buried, there's always a tombstone with your name on it. There's always a place where someone can visit you. If you're cremated, there's nowhere else to go. Yeah. My friend, my former best friend Kenny, who died a couple of months ago, they cremated him and they sprinkled his ashes along the the, the ocean, which. It's cool because he was big time fisherman. I mean, me, me and him used to go fishing all the time. But uh, nice, nice. You know, I, I, I told my family already. I said, if if I go before any of them, I said I will haunt their grandchildren and great grandchildren <sighs> if they don't bury me with my dog's urn uh, think, under my arm. Oh, yeah. I was. I think we had this discussion once before because remember when we were talking about. The, the people that were being cremated were being turned into jewelry. Yes, yes. I kind of remember that, but I don't right. think we... That yeah. was a while ago. Yeah, that was I, a while ago, but yeah. um, I don't want I don't want to be cremated. I, I want to be buried next to my parents, and I want my dog's urn underneath my arm. I right. gave them specific instructions of what I wanted, and I told them I'm dead serious about it, too. So they know what oh. they got to do. Yeah. I'll never forget my grandmother's funeral. I mean, I, I look. I usually get choked yeah, up when I. What would you have? What are you like? Uh, would you want like organs and stuff like that, or you would um, you want? No, I would just want everybody to have a good time. And yeah. the, the tra- tradition in my family is everybody goes out to eat after. That believe it well, or not. Yeah, I think everybody. I think a lot, most families do that though. Yeah, but they they like the last major passing in my family was my grandmother, my my father's mother. And my uncle died a couple of years ago, but he was in Florida and, you know, the families weren't talking, so that was a little different. But when my grandmother died, after the funeral, we all went to um, a restaurant. There was like 30 of us, and we all ate, went out to eat. And it was supposed to be like a positive thing, like you think of the good things. Like I, I definitely don't want somber at my funeral and I definitely want family and friends, everybody to go out to eat after, you know, just eat, have a good time. And, um, you know, hopefully somebody will keep my pot, my, uh, podcast archives online. <laughs> so remember that motherfucker, that cocksucker, they, he, he good. He's dead and buried now that motherfucker. So Jeffrey Collins, are there any injuries in wrestling that still make you squeamish? If you saw it today, and his is Psycho Sid, Sid Vicious jumping yeah, off the ropes. It's a little rough. That is. You know what was rough about that? I don't know if anybody remembers this. The night after on Nitro when they replayed it like 30 times. <laughs> they replayed it over and over. They used like different camera angles in slow motion. Sure. They, they fucking roar. It's That was harsh. Um you know, as far as other injuries, I don't remember the chick from from Glow when she was in a match, I think against, what was it, Big Bad Mama? Or remember when she broke her arm the wrong way? No. Yeah, no. just, you know what? I gotta, I have to look it up because I want everybody that's listening right now to um, look this up on YouTube. And when you look it up and you've never seen it, I want you to be like, Oh God, that's nasty! I I looked it up right now. The gorgeous ladies of wrestling, Matilda the Hun versus. Oh wait, no, no, that's not it. Oh, here it is, Susie Spirit. Look up. You can watch it right now, Mish. Go to Susie Spirit, broken arm, on YouTube. 
and just just watch it for like a couple of seconds. You know, when you see Alexa Bliss doing like the dislocated thing with her arm, just, yeah, you could you could keep the the volume on. You're gonna be like, oh man, that's that's horrible. <laughs> that one I can't watch. In fact, I think it's Susie Spirit and Debbie Debutante versus yeah. Mika and Mina, the Headhunters. They, Nobody they, Mina than Tamina. Yeah, it was the Headhunters versus the Cheerleaders. Just look at that right. broken arm while we're doing that. Those are the two. I mean, when I, I don't remember that match with what was it, Invader, one of the Invaders, where he started spitting up blood. That one I can never watch again, even though oh, yeah, that, that was just scary. You, you saw the broken arm? Yeah. That, that's fucking horrible. That was Ooh. rough. <laughs> that was rough when we saw it because we saw it on regular TV at the time. And, you know, they put this, the, they zoomed right into that shit. I was like, oh, they oh. sure the fuck did. That's what, t- tell me that's horrible. That's horrible. Think, what was it? The one where Chris Benoit was it? Chris Benoit that late? Well, I mean, Stone Cold landed on his neck. Well, Chris Benoit, he had a match against Sabu in ECW yeah. 1995 where Sabu uh, broke his neck. Benoit threw Sabu up in the air and he landed on his neck. It looked horrible in the ring, but, yeah. you know, like you weren't sure, like, if he really got injured or not, if it was just a stinger, but we found out later that he got injured pretty good. What about the one where, uh, well, Sabu got his neck broke in the middle of the fucking ring? That was a bad-looking one, too. Well, that's Sam- one, yeah, that's oh. what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about the one where he cut open his arm? Oh, yeah, Born to be Wired against Terry Funk. That was fucking <laughs> bad. Oh, my God, his fucking bicep. I'll tell you yeah. one. I'll tell you one. I saw it up close and personal. Oh, XPW, shit. hostile takeover. This is true fucking story. This is why when I always talked about work of XPW, I know for some fans out there that were never fans of XPW, you just think it's like no big deal. But when you work for a company and you're there backstage behind the scenes and you're witnessing this stuff up close and personal, it's just a totally different experience. Now, just picture this. And you can see the video online. It makes Sabu's Born to Be Wired look like nothing. All right. Before... Terry Funk faced Shane Douglas in the main event. They're going over a lot of things with the match and this, and usually they go over it with not in front of people. So there was a lot that we didn't know was going to happen. I had no idea some of the stuff that was going to happen. But anyway, I'm doing the timekeeping for that match, XPW Hostile Takeover. The video is on YouTube. And they're brawling, and they brawl outside. And, you know, we're sitting at the announce table. There's no camera you know there's no cameras out there filming the footage so you could see it like on a titantron inside they filmed outside for later viewing but we didn't in the arena know what was going on when they came back in shane douglas is cursing like a motherfucker and i mean and he's cursing not like as part of the match but he was really angry about something and next thing you know, I'm sitting at the timekeeper's table and Terry Funk is holding his arm and you could see his tendon. It made Sabu's look like nothing. He, what happened was Terry Funk outside took a bottle and busted it against the side of the ECW arena and decided to cut his arm with the bottle. He wanted to bleed, but he just wanted to bleed and he sliced his arm open 
to the point where you saw his tendon. He's in the ring, and he's almost in shock. And we're fucking looking at this thing up close, and it was one of the most grotesque things I have ever seen. And Terry Funk's my favorite wrestler of all time. (laughs) Right. He fucking snapped to the point that he gave a pile drive, I believe, to Lizzie Borden and pulled her panties off. He took her panties off. And the State Athletic Commission, after that, they wanted to ban XPW. They fucking um, Supreme brawled into the women's bathroom with this guy Angel and the the daughter of a state athletic commission was yeah. oh that he she was in one of the stalls at the time. It was rough, man. But that fucking injury from Terry Funk. <laughs> they always talk about Sabu's born to be wired. Look at that one. That one will make you squeamish. It's rough. Yeah. Uh, two more questions, and we're done. Mario from the Barrio. Um, as we live in a time where everything gets compared to the past, is it fair that current wrestlers are being compared to past wrestlers, like Adam Cole to Shawn Michaels, Becky Lynch to Austin? Sure, sure but don't you don't compare Becky Lynch to Austin as far as the character goes. We're talking about the crowd, you know, reaction and, you know, just the storyline. And it's, we're not going to get into it here because we had that long discussion months ago that still stand up. It's, it's amazing to listen back on that and how spot on we both were. But yeah. um, I, I don't see any problem with comparing the people from yesteryear. No, no, no. It's, yeah, it's just, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, look, you want to be the first EC3, not the next blah, blah, blah. But there's nothing wrong with looking at someone from yesteryear and just saying, okay, the revival, you know, re- remind us a little bit of Arn and Tully. You know, I- I'm sorry. One of them reminds me of Arn Anderson. That's not, should that shouldn't be disrespectful. So I, I don't see anything wrong with that. I, it's You, you kind of... You don't want to keep comparing people because right. then you don't you, keep comparing people. But at the same time, there's totally a connection. There's totally a connection between yesteryear and today. Some of the best characters from today have stolen or paid homage to or whatever you want to call it to wrestlers of yesteryear. It's, and there's it's nothing not, wrong with that. Right. I, I don't know why people would be offended by it to begin with. That's just kind of Yeah, weird. some people get offended by it. And I understand in character, you know, you want to be your own person. You want to stand out. And, yes, if you keep comparing someone to yesteryear, then you feel like you have to be at that person's level. Otherwise, uh, what will happen is right now they compare Adam Cole to Shawn Michaels. You keep doing that, you know what's going to happen? Soon enough, they're going to tweak it. And they're going to say, oh, Adam Cole, Shawn Michaels ripoff. Or Shawn Michaels light. Right, yeah. So there's nothing wrong to say that that person reminds me. Like, oh, here's a great one. Hey, Chris Benoit. I how you say it, though, too. When they say Shawn Michaels light, are they saying it out of respect? No, or are no, they no. saying it out of disdain? Out of disdain. Right now, they're not saying Shawn Michaels. When you say something light, it's a lighter version of the person. Right, but it's such a weird thing to say because people love Shawn Michaels. Yes, I agree. That's oh, why if, you got to be careful. If you're careful. being compared to somebody and they want to be shitty, compare them to like what? Paul Roma? You know? Yeah. Uh, 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 who, who else is another Look, god awful? Well, yeah. Cheeks? Compare yeah. them to Cheeks? Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, if you're comparing somebody to a legend, 
even if you're saying it with disdain, how is that a bad thing? I know. Goddamn legend. I agree. I mean, look, I'll give you a good one. Chris Benoit with Dynamite Kid. A lot of people would say, you know what? Chris Benoit, there's a lot of Dynamite Kid in Chris Benoit. But as Chris Benoit's career went on, you didn't think of Dynamite Kid every time you saw him. No. He was an inspiration, but sure. he wasn't constantly compared. I, I think you there's nothing wrong with comparing wrestlers from yesteryear or saying to remind you of someone, but if you keep doing it, then when that person doesn't live up to that potential, then you feel like, okay, it's just a light version of Shawn Michaels. Yeah, or, yeah so... You know, that's why a lot of wrestlers don't want to be compared to people from yesteryear. I know, but I'm just looking at it like you're being compared to a legend. Yeah, How oh, sure. I, I mean, I understand that people want it to be a bad thing, but it's not. Like if somebody said, oh, Dolph Ziggler is Shawn Michaels light, Dolph Ziggler should turn around and go, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. To be compared to anybody is a great thing, unless it's somebody in a room. Well, that's why I said, unless it's like Cheeks. <laughs> Virgil. That big black dude from TNA. Yeah, or Virgil. Like 500 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Even though I watched the match where Virgil got a tremendous pop, it was Survivor Series. I don't remember yeah. what year it was, but uh, finally, Leo Nunez. Uh, oh, actually, no, we got into this already. We were talking about the uh, top five uh, member, you know, the opponents of The oh. Rock. So, yeah, so we, we are done. We're actually, uh, I know you and I, before we went live, we said, oh, this is going to be a 90-minute show, but then we ended up having probably an hour discussion on the Keep a Fire, which is great. So not, yeah. that was awesome, and I hope everybody enjoyed it. Again, you know, like I said, every year we always put up one episode of Breakfast Soup to give everyone a little sample of what, you know, you're missing on Patreon. So it looks like that this episode will be it. So I definitely ask everyone to consider our Patreon and soups. It is patreon.com slash wrestling soup, patreon.com slash Don Tony. Uh, every cent of your uh, contributions help us with the expenses of the show, the equipment, everything that we do. And in return, you get tons and tons of Patreon exclusive content, contest giveaways. There's so much shit going on. And, you know, you become a stockholder in what we do. You heavily influence, you know, what is covered on the shows. We're always welcoming everyone's opinions and your ideas end up sparking other shows as well. And who knows? Maybe this watch along thing will turn into like a monthly feature. We'll see how it goes. Maybe we'll do Goodfellas the first time around. Very cool. Yeah. Anybody in particular you want to give the shirt to also this week besides uh I, I said I was gonna give one earlier. Um choice so, this one. Well, John yeah. Hennef, I'm giving him one because I oh, love wow. the watch along idea. Yeah. So any any other one that stands out? We had the, let's see, the holidays, Enzo Ellsworth. Uh, we talked about the doors, injuries in wrestling. Um, we just had that convo comparing wrestlers, getting mm. rid of the dead body, the aliens. Jeez, the dead body one is such a, a creepy thing, especially for the Christmas edition of the show, too, really. You know what? You know what we'll give it to? We give it to Jay Moss. We I don't think we've ever given him one. And you know he was talking about the the serial killers, the baby face stuff. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. you know yeah, let's do a little twist this okay. week. So John Hennef, Jay Moss, you both get it. Uh, your choice of any video or any T-shirt. Definitely PM me on Patreon and uh, we'll hook you up. And Mish, I will definitely talk to you before Monday, but I will say officially publicly on the show, Happy New Year. 
happy, happy Merry Christmas again, and uh, all the best to you and your family. Much love. Thank you very much, sir. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Take care. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Breakfast Soup. I am Don Tony as always, and we will return in two weeks, which, believe it or not, will already be January 9th, 2019. And don't forget, starting Tuesday, January 8th, we will be doing a live uh, show right after SmackDown, right here on Patreon. We will definitely post an update on Patreon within the next two weeks. We'll also post a poll. Let you choose where you want the shows to be streamed from in the chat. And we'll go from there. Uh, Again, this Thursday, the 27th, will be Dark Chronicles with Kevin Trez. And um, finally, again, because it's the holidays and New Year's Eve lands on a Monday, Kevin and I will be recording the Don, Tony, and Kevin Castle show Sunday night, December 30th. It'll be posted on Patreon Sunday night. You'll get it a day before everyone else. And for our regular listeners, you will get it Monday evening. And I thank you all once again. On behalf of Mish, I am Don Tony. Since you will not hear this show again until 2019, have a great new year. All the best. And uh, keep sending your recommendations, opinions, ideas, suggestions, feedback. Always welcomed. Thank you, as always, for your support. Looking forward to 2019. I think it's going to be an awesome year for the DTKC Soup family. And just overall, I think we're going to have a blast. So hopefully uh, I will hear from you as well. Take care, everyone. Be well. I'll talk to you soon. Ciao. Support the Don, Tony, and Kevin Castle Show on Patreon. Get access to thousands of hours of back episodes. Get bonus episodes and exclusive shows. Castle Chronicles. Breakfast Soup. Pay-per-view recaps. DVDs. Beer koozies. Tattoos. Mugs. And more. Support the show that's entertained millions for over 16 years. Patreon.com slash Don Tony. Once again, Patreon.com slash Don Tony. Moon Out with Nevia by Moen, the spa shower that offers double the coverage using about half the water, making it look, sound, and feel totally different. Learn more at moen.com slash Nevia. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to myhealthpolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, myhealthpolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. Myhealthpolicy.com.